previously on Perfect Weekly. And welcome back to Perfect Weekly. This is Ryan. I'm Jen. I'm Lady Chi. And I'm Jen's mom. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. We would never ever say Snape scathed. We would say Snape said scathingly. 640,000 years ago, that third of America blew up. Boys and girls, <laughs> there's a thing called erectile dysfunction. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah, but there's also a thing called Petrificus Totalis. So Perfect Weekly, not only entertaining, but educational as well. <laughs> do you own a pig? No, but I do have a goat. Really? We don't have a lawnmower. <laughs> What's the goat's name? Bernard. Oh my god, I'm not gonna lie. I have to I have no idea what's going on. Somebody explain to me what just happened. Have you been here the whole time? <laughs> I've been here the whole time, but I can't remember what was just said. <laughs> oh my goodness. Poor Bernard was struck and killed by a bolt of lightning. <laughs> okay, you guys are the ones who obviously laugh during people's funerals. I wore a really big hat. And I run after my car. <laughs> I've just finished taking a test on what's your seduction style. I have got to take that test. I don't know what that noise was that came out of Gambin's mouth. But I think it caused some women in the audience to become infertile. Oh, I love the social intercourse so varied. It gets me so excited for the guy I this is like the Manhattan Project. Her man is Moses. Honestly, don't you people read? Okay, the two people. Her man is not Moses. Moses Here's depended on Aaron. See, Batman depends on Robin. If you're going to do Moses. Moses the guy that was lost in the Moses. desert for like 40 years? That just okay. inspires confidence in crime-fighting ability. There's like auditoriums with movies that you can go in and sit and watch. Not while on the toilet. There's no way we have Wank. We don't care enough about the fans of to have Wank. We'll take a this guys, you guys are the most dysfunctional people. These are really stupid people. Like, I have a lot to learn from these people. And now, Potterfic Weekly. So, Ron, the next time you're feeling jealous of me, because I'm so famous. And we're back with, uh, well, first of all, Jen is still here. We'd like to introduce to you a new host of Parfic Weekly. This is Lady Chi without the crappy microphone. Lady Chi, welcome back. Hi, everybody. Okay, Noah, in <laughs> I retrospect, can't it. she actually sounds I... exactly the same now that I think of it. It's, well, say hi again, I... Chi. Hi. <laughs> no, she doesn't. She's, I hear her out of my left ear now, too. What? Wow. You only heard her out you've been only hearing her out of one ear all the time. My micro I don't know why, but my headset I only hear out of my right ear and I hear Chi out of my left one. I don't know. You've only been hearing half of Chi all this time? (laughs) That explains so much of our relationship. Viridian, Matt, Matthew, whatever the hell your name is, how are you? Ernie Midland. We'd like to also introduce uh, Lindsay, who is Viridian's wife, and Beta. Well, Hi there. She's Beta number one. 
Yeah, beta number one. Now, we were just talking about this. Now, I, I of course, asked the question that's on all of your minds. Did she, you know, was she the wife first or the beta first? And I didn't really get an answer to that question. It was kind of left unsaid. Much like my brilliant guess that Draco Malfoy has come back in time to send Harry a valentine. I can't help but notice that that one you conveniently didn't talk about. I don't normally respond to overly speculative questions about what's going to happen. But that one was so bad, you just had to. Yes or no, it's telling people what happens. Was mine so bad that you you feel as though you can kind of like... There are clues embedded in some of that aging in place conversation Mm -hmm. that should answer the question for you. Oh my gosh, Ryan, you're right. (laughs) Unless I'm completely wrong, but I can't go read it now. We're in the middle of an interview. I made fun of you about that one. You, oh, you mocked me without mercy. You should hear this. <laughs> Matt and Lindsay have heard, I believe, the first uh, two episodes that we've released. Two, I'm sorry, the first three episodes that we've released on Nightmares. The last two are still being edited as we record this. In the fourth episode, t- that I brought my, my brilliant theory up again. Now, in the, when I first brought it up, everyone's slapping me in the back. Well done. We, you solved it. The second time, they were throwing tomatoes at me. Jen was chasing me down. It was awful. And the funny thing was, Jen heard it the week before and agreed with me then. The second week, all of a sudden, John Kerry over here completely flips. It's on the <laughs> other side of the issue. It was awful. I said, I'm a woman. I can do that. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Well, not really, but you just think you can get away with that, but that's okay. Yes. Well, no. We've been, we've gotten away with it for centuries. All right. Well, Matt and I are slightly outnumbered here, so we're going to go Here are some thoughts. What do you think? Look at the second conversation with the agent in place. Uh Uh-huh. And remember the attack on Harry when he when he was stunned on the stairs. Okay. There's there's some something in there that's kind of important. There's something in. I want to go read it now, but I can't. There's an interview. Jen, take over. <laughs> no. <laughs> My reading comprehension. Can I, Jen? <laughs> Jen's in charge. I'm reading. Well, I don't give you all that big a spoiler. Okay. So. All right, Jen. I, I think the biggest question, though, is... No, you uh, don't get to ask the first one. <laughs> okay, I fine, get to ask Jen. the first one. Fine. The biggest question is, how do you feel about us discussing your fake on a podcast? <laughs> it, it's have... weird. <laughs> really? I, I'm flattered by all the deep discussion going on, although because <laughs> of the, the format, like when there's a discussion on the mailing list, Sometimes I'll insert something, or if someone misquotes the story, I'll say, no, actually it says that. Because people get stuff crossed up all the time. When you're listening to it in a podcast, you want to interrupt the conversation and say, wait a minute, no, he doesn't say that. (laughs) We get get that all the time. There's a certain amount of of wanting to reach through the microphone and and, and smack someone, but... (laughs) I'm sorry, I didn't mean... I would not. I would not. Make any <laughs> Have you ever heard of a woman named Melinda Leo? Yeah. <laughs> Did you read the Seventh Horcrux by any chance? There was an incident with these two, Melinda Leo, in a boat. So I have to let you know we completely sympathize with you. But it's also it's a little it's flattering also because you get into these deep philosophical debates. I'm like, well, that's kind of cool, you know. And, and then you guys say, you know, it, it's you guys argue about predestination and fate and the ethics of manipulation for three hours and go, you know, we never actually got to talk about the fifth, just like the first episode. But it sparked all these wicked conversations. I'm like, well, that's kind of cool. 
Okay, that that worked out kind of interesting. So it's overall, it's been a very it's been it's been a very positive experience. So I hope you can say that after listening to the last two because I think they're fine. I remember them. I think they're fine. But if we said anything <laughs> that makes you want to sue us, I'll leave Lady Cheese contact information. For you. <laughs> I know. I I got to do lead um, lead hosting on episode 44. I'm pretty she excited did. about that. She that did. turned out pretty well. Jen and I called in sick, so Lady Chi was in charge. But luckily, she yeah. likes you, so it worked out well. A, uh, a few of my Ravenclaws have been sending me messages. And uh, Itai, in particular, he's an, who's a Hufflepuff, one of Ryan's horde. Um, he's Julia's friend. Yeah, Julia's Julia friends, yeah. He, um, he wants to know uh, when the story can be updated and if you've aban- abandoned it, what your address is so he can come and strangle you. And I just want to say one thing. I want to apologize. I want to apologize for asking you a question you obviously weren't prepared for. I'm sure no one has asked you before when you're going to update this. So yes. I just want to apologize for blindsiding you right there. Here, here is the answer. I got so many people emailing me of that question because I was – Kicking out chapters, and mm-hmm. you know, I was laid off, so I was getting really good good productivity for a while. <laughs> the story started getting more complicated and things. And then I, you know, I sat down one afternoon to to work on it, and started answering my email first. And three hours later, I finished answering all the email with people asking me questions about when I was going to update it. And I said, you know what, this is ridiculous. So as is posted in. Practically every single profile I have on every single site I post fan fiction on. I have a blog, www.matthewshookie.com. And if you pull that up, there are progress bars for every chapter that's in progress. So you will know, and I update that before I post. So every time I finish working on it, on the story, and get some progress, it's going to be up there on the progress bar. So go there, and you will know sooner than anybody. I'm about I'm seven thousand two hundred forty nine words into the into chapter thirty six. Would you like to share any of the words with us tonight, or is that going to be a surprise when the chapter comes out? I'm in the middle of a really nasty confrontation mm-hmm. um, with somebody's parents. Well, I'll put circumstances. Mister Granger finds out exactly what happened second year with the uh, big nasty snake. Ooh. And you know how Hermione tends to gloss over things with her parents sometimes. Yeah, she, she, it's possible she left that part out. <laughs> she yeah. described it as minor unpleasantness. Yeah. Yeah, Hermione reminds me of my cousin. I called my cousin one day. He was, I think, 10, 12 years old at the time. And I'm like, hey, Mike, how you doing? And he's, you know, kids when they're on the phone, everything is good, fine. Uh, so I'm like, how are you feeling? Good. How's everything going? Fine. I'm like, okay, Mike, you got hit by a car today. So I just was checking to make sure you were all right. And his answer is good, fine. So, like, I'm picturing <laughs> Hermione coming home at the end of the school year. How was the school year? Good. Anything happen? I studied a lot, leaving out the fact that, you know, there, this massive basilisk was coming towards her and she had to fight it off with all of her friends. But, <clears throat> yeah, because I like how you um, did Mr. Granger, too. It was a scene in Flourish and Bots, the first time he hears someone call Hermione a mudblood right after he's told what mudblood means. He's not a happy. <clears throat> yeah, he, he, he wasn't happy at the time. Um, just looking through some of the questions here we have. Um, oh, here, here, they'll make, make some, make, I'll make at least one of you happy. Okay. Slug Club. <laughs> Plus, Slytherin will be happy to hear that. Oh, That's Pius. for sure. You have no idea how happy she was when she found. It. She, I think, she was actually reading through it, and she discovered Slughorn, and she like sent me a message. This is the best fic ever, and I'm like, oh, you're on the Slughorn <laughs> chapters, apparently. It's funny because you got to come out Harry's like, 
you know, hates all the Slytherins and all the Slytherins are universally evil in this story. And I was editing this section with Melissa's funeral and just laughing out loud. Let me ask you this. Do you guys have anything else that you've been, like, dying? To, like you said before, you know, you're listening to this and you want to, like, reach through and strangle people. Has there been anything you've really wanted to say that we haven't responded to yet or that you want to say on the podcast about something we said or a point that was raised or, or anything? Yeah, you mean, you mean lay the bagel issue to rest? Yeah, I think we're pretty much done with the bagel. You're okay. either you've either decided he's a bagel, you've decided he's not a bagel, you have no opinion on the bagel, and you're undecided on the bagel. But there's no real more movement on the bagel. Con- <laughs> consider this: yeah. Harry's future Harry's social development stopped dead in the water at the age of 16. Mm-hmm. The Hogwarts massacre. It's not just you guys. It's like people were like on DLP forum. People were talking about Harry, pedophile Harry. I'm like. The most he's ever done is kissed her on the forehead on New Year's Eve. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, where is this coming from? I th- Well, it's, I don't know, because I think, it, I guess it's, I guess my thing is, it's, I, I believe that it's, um, it's definitely fair game as a discussion <laughs> point. I think when you're going into hour seven on the discussion, there's no real new ground yeah. to cover, which is why I was. It's not how you wrote it. It's just the. The plot, like a thirty-year-old and eleven-year-old body. I think Except that yeah. some people can't see how that could not be sexual. You know how that could be. Well, and I just want everything to be sexual. So really, it's my own sick perversion. It's not my fault. Are a hardcore Freudian? Then maybe, but you know they think everything is incestuous. So you know that thirty-year-old doesn't have a thirty-year-old's body. There's no hormones in the bloodstream. There's no. Um, there is no really? sexual possible. Well, I mean, I look at look. I wanted there to be some there, and like when the, when I know that like when Jenny and and Harry are compromising on the age that they'll allow themselves to be together. I guess that's sort of where I grasped, if that makes, sense. yeah, <laughs> the whole joke of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, Harry's more bothered by it than anything. I think I think I put it up on the forums about how. I don't know. It's 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 funny. It's kind of this lightning rod for people. Sometimes when when people read a story, there will be a theme pop up that will tap into certain schemas they have about mm-hmm. relationships, about sexuality, about whatever, and you'll get this reaction that's totally out of proportion or unrelated to what's actually in the story. And I think that's really fascinating to watch people read this and hit that and just go nuts because i mean so, someone someone said <laughs> the you know that they could that maybe the people who were going who were who were really I, I got some really vicious reviews that said oh, i was no. writing child porn and and someone and someone responded to that what? and said i think people that are doing that is because they can't imagine going back like that and not doing it themselves yeah or that yeah. it it you know and that i i read that and said wow that's kind of interesting but there are elements it's it's fun it's funny when you read a story and you get when you write a story and you get the reviews and you'll see elements that will just set off people's schemas left and right oh and my god well, and I think sorry about part of that is the i'm sorry chi oh no i just i released a story this week where harry and ron smoke oh my jesus you would have thought <laughs> I had made them into serial killers. Like, that's the reaction that I'm getting from people. Harry and Ron don't smoke. Smoking is evil. Blah, blah, blah. Like, their heads are exploding left and right. And I'm like, 
it's a blocking thing. Like, I needed them to be doing something with their hands and smoking <laughs> in 1990s Britain seemed like a great choice to me because I've read the statistics. I don't know if you have. Playing mini yeah. golf was apparently unavailable as a plot device. How exactly? The shoebox project people. I recognized it, so. Yeah. 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 Well, but. I was going to say, with in regards to what Viridian was saying, I, I, I think that people sometimes overreact to certain things because Harry Potter is so diversified that there actually is stories like that out there that are sickly disturbing and disturbing. And, Someone's and been to adultfanfiction.net. You can tell right now. <laughs> yeah, it's a place I just don't need to go to. I'm like, uh, <laughs> Thank you. I don't even know how I ended up there. Someone either told me to. I can't remember if I went there. There is someone, some good stuff there. I don't know if someone sent me there for a particular fic or someone said told me how scary it was and I wanted to check it out for myself. <laughs> but I just remember running like hell and like you know just there. Like, there are some good stories there. Thank you. But it, it's like picking flowers in a minefield. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, exactly. Same with fanfiction.net. I mean, really, there is some. I'd rather, I'd rather my mindless minions trudge through that for me and then send me links. Out of fanfiction.net. Um, I mean, the first person, I, well, I, I, there's a couple of things. If you go for the longer stories, that doesn't always mean they're good. Yeah. But generally speaking, someone won't go 100,000 words unless they're getting a lot of positive feedback. No, I totally agree with that. I don't look search for anything under 40,000. You know, and I mean, oh I started God. with You're Bob Men, Dumbledore's yeah. Army, and then I spent the rest, I spent a couple of weeks just going through their favorites and reading all their stuff and then checking their favorites. So yeah. it, you can you can kind of social network in fanfiction.net and find some good stuff. Oh, I just actually wanted to ask a question to start out. Now, the first stuff of yours that I read was was nightmares. I'm, you know, for someone who does this podcast, I'm still relatively new to the fandom. Now, for those of our listeners who don't know, you are actually in two different fandoms: Harry Potter fandom, and you're also elsewhere. I also uh, started writing a uh, Naruto fic- fanfic a couple of, almost yeah, almost two years back now, called uh, Team Eight. It's just a AU story. What if Naruto had been assigned? If Uzumaki Naruto had been assigned to um, a different team than he was in canon. And I have an yeah. AU pick off with that. Can you, for those of us who don't know a lot about that, can you give like a brief, <laughs> brief how about this, for me, who knows, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. Can Brian, you? It's, it's really kind of complicated, and I'm not really yeah. sure. It's, it's it, a story about... Let's see if he can do it. I want to hear this. Yeah, Keep okay. going. Okay. It's a story set in a fantasy version of Japan mm-hmm. where you have um, vill- these hidden villages which um, are supported by ninjas doing missions. Keep and going. kids have an ability to manipulate their chakra to do magical effects um, are trained as ninjas in this village. And it's a, it's, that's where the story is set. And one of the villages was attacked by this horrendous nine-tailed kitsune demon fox that could destroy whole, whole countries and it was stopped by the leader who was the most powerful ninja who uh couldn't kill it but he bound its soul within the body of a newborn child to stop its destruction and this is and naruto is the story of this child growing up i just want to yep. point out to the others here that was not so hard 
Oh, there's much. He yes, didn't mention was. the important part, though. Sasuke is hot <laughs> and emo and hot. That's the, that's all you need to know about Naruto. Is Sasuke I sense hot. a Sasuke fan. Sasuke's a monster. <laughs> the voice of the <laughs> wife. In my story. She who must be obeyed his opinion. But yeah, I, I, I write, uh, let's see, I've got that. I've got a couple of uh, Harry Potter stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got Do you one. ever write Snape Hermione? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Matt's going to write Snape Hermione no, ever. That is Stop Molestation. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Jen's world caves in around her. She's an adult. <laughs> I'm not into child porn. I, I, I don't see her. I, I don't see Hermione as having a bad case of battered woman syndrome. So I don't see her hooking up with Snape because oh, he oh. is abusive. That is the reason. And, and nasty and not someone that she, and, and has bad, behaved absolutely beastly. You oh, my God. Like, Can I hug you? Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay, turn around. Take a walk. Now, Take a walk. You know, if, if, you, if, you, if you're going to conceive some AU universe where Snape isn't a bastard, then fine. It's Mr. Good. Darcy, okay. dude. You know. But... Um, <laughs> You know, the you reality. Snake, Shut up. <laughs> well, I I suspend my disbelief from, but like oh, I, okay, I, right. I don't know. I <laughs> I can understand. <laughs> Matt, I'm just assuming um, you're not well, on the a year like none other mailing list. <laughs> it, it, you know, it's one of those. It, it's well written. Cognitive <laughs> dissonance, not my friend. Okay. Uh, it just it, it, it if the if the characters are too far out of character, it jars me out of the story. Yeah. So, you know, um, I I don't read a lot of slash because of that because I think someone's um, sexual orientation is usually fairly integral to their personality. On the same on, <laughs> on, on, on at the same time though, you know, I would have the equal problem if you took a gay care a, a gay canon character and decided to make them straight for a story that would also you know, if I read Buffy fan fiction where they just completely ignore her by you read uh, Buffy fan fiction too. Yeah, I actually got got a, a plot bias and sticking around in the back of my head that won't leave me alone about Xander. But if you write Buffy fan, you know, later year Buffy fan fiction, and you just gloss over Willow's bisexuality or or, or lesbianism, it, you've you're also ignoring key aspects of her character, and it's going to jar me out of the story as At well. Least I was totally all about Oz. She used I, I to be think, straight. No, I think she's bisexual because <laughs> she likes both, and that's fine. Um, you know, I I have friends like that, and it's you know they they kind of my okay. my, my friend my friends who are lesbians who are who are not bisexual but are lesbians never really liked boys that much. They never really got attracted. If they went on dates, it was just because they felt social pressure to do so. Um, yeah. And I don't see Willow in that situation. I just like Seth Green. Who yeah. doesn't like Seth Green? <laughs> I know. He's got his like, re- red hair and oh, we should talk about Radiant's face. And he's a werewolf. Oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, and I got a, a Shadowrun story and stuff and, and other things. But, um, so, yeah. but yeah, I write, I write more than one, one group. So my mailing list is a very strange place because you've got the Potter fans and you've got the Naruto fans and Occasionally, they 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 get mad because I think I'm they think I'm spending too much time on one story and not the other, and it, it's it's highly entertaining. Oh, I just <laughs> I have to ask this question. I'm looking over a a, a lot of 
uh, questions that our members have uh, put forward here. But there was you and I were talking yesterday, and there was one question um, I said I was going to ask you, and you said definitely ask that question. So I thought I'd open with that one. Um, in terms of your fans uh, and you know fan reviews, and as you were saying, you know offers to you know carry your love children. Um, what is the um, strangest fan experience that you have had. Oh, oh you're my. not a stalker, right? <laughs> okay. One weekend, I had chapters of uh, Team 8 and Harry Potter mostly done, and I was kind of alternating between the two. And people were asking on the mailing list about the progress on them, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to work on whichever one seems to be going better at the moment, and well, they will. They were asking, "Well, which one is it?" And I said, "You know, it depend. It, it could depend on anything. It could depend on the weather. It could depend on what I had for breakfast that morning." And and one guy asked, "Is kind of this joking? Well, what's the breakfast that makes you want to write Team Eight?" And I said, "Sushi and miso soup. You know, just you know, Japanese food." Right. And um, you know, and then I, I I spend most of the day writing. This is a this was a Saturday, wasn't it, Lindsay? Yes, it was. Okay. So about 11.30 on Saturday night, doorbell rings. I'm like, look over at Lindsay. I'm like, are you expecting anyone to come over? And, of course, I'm like, no. Who? And our, people in our neighborhood do not just stop by at, this, at that late hour. She's just waking up at 11.30. All right. We live right outside of Kennesaw, <laughs> you know, where people are required to own firearms. Uh, yeah. So I'm like... And then we're looking at each other, and then the door, maybe maybe somebody's at the wrong house. Doorbell rings again, there's a knock. I'm like, crap. All right. And I look out, and I see a strange car parked in front of our house. So I hand Lindsay the phone with nine and one punched and <laughs> tell her to hold that. And I go to the front door, but I stop at the closet on the way, on the way to the front door. Because you've determined you have to shoot the person who's knocking on your door. Yeah, you're, I, you're going I got to a, hit them I, with a stick. Okay, carry on. Actually, a German hand and a half broadsword I got from a convention. That would work. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Four foot of iron, and it looks really impressive. Um, so I, I impressed the with door. a stick. <laughs> it's made of plastic, no. <laughs> well, okay. It, 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 just to give you a little visual, I'm about six, 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 seven, um, and. Uh, I open the door, and I got my left hand with the sword behind the door so they can't see it immediately. And I look out there, and it's this little skinny guy, about maybe five and a half feet tall, um, crew cut, holding a plastic sack that's a Kroger on it. And I'm like, hello? <laughs> this Meridian? I go, yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> he hands me back. He says, it's uh, sushi and miso soup. Like. And he said something yeah. about, I'm from your mailing list. <laughs> yeah. No. No, how did he find your house? Uh, it's not that hard. If you, if, you know, if you know the right place on the internet to go, it's not yeah, that hard. I'd be calling the police at that moment. Yeah, before. I said, uh, do you, do I know you? And it's like, uh, it was kind of <laughs> awkward. And, and, and he's like, well, yeah, um, well, I got to go now. Because I think he was getting the whole, I'm about to kill you vibe off of me or something. <laughs> Because uh, I was a little freaked out. I'm like, you know, you should probably knock. You know, you should probably call because you just about gave me a heart attack. And I think my left hand was out of sight the whole time behind the door, holding the yeah. sword up. 
And um, but he could probably tell I was holding something <laughs> in my left hand. Plus, you're like 17 but, feet tall, and that had to be yeah, intimidating. So, yeah, you, don't, like, you, ca- you don't pick up the height over the internet just to share that no. with you. Yeah. Okay. And um, wow, well, I'm sure I'm he not did. So he he's like, well, right, I got to go now. And he gets in his truck car, drives off. And then we talk, and then I find out it's Brandon from my mailing list, somebody I know on the mailing list. I just never met him in real life. He was up to visit his cousin. He thought, well, I'll look up where Matt lives and drop that off because he, he knew his cousin lived in the same – well, his cousin lives in Atlanta, and we live way outside of Atlanta. But he said, well, it's an extra hour and a half. Who cares, you know, to dr- drop off some food to bribe me into writing more teammate. And I'm like, yeah, the, the Naruto <laughs> fans are insane. Yeah. Wow. Did it work? I cannot imagine that. I was about to start that chapter, but it was, it was it, sushi was good, and um, you know, and later on, you know, after we after he kind of realized that he freaked the hell out of us and apologized, and and I knew him from the mailing list, so it was okay. He's like one of my backup moderators, but I'd never met him before and realized. And long story short, he he actually came up about a month later for for a visit, and we we went out to eat and and talked about some stuff. But that was. At the time, it was extremely disconcerting. I would imagine. There was great music right there, right when that happened. I'm sorry. Like, it was extremely disconcerting. <laughs> oh, my, my windows at, at uh... <laughs> That was just awesome. It was, it was, it, that worked very well. I enjoyed that. Okay. <laughs> well but done. That, that was, that, but, you know, that makes a, it, made, it made a good story for... I had to, I had to do a Toastmaster speech about an unusual happening, so I, I picked that and... Yeah, it makes a great story. That is a great story. Like I met Jen, I that thought that is. was good, but that, that would have been like. Now, let me ask you a hypothetical: Do you think it would have made life in your mailing list differently if you had, like, you know, impaled your head moderator with a sword? <laughs> yeah. It's not really that sharp. But, yeah. <laughs> it's a dull. So you had to whack him with it. Well, if you if you if if he wasn't if he there was some backing behind me, it would punch through him. But, um, well. <laughs> Yeah, because I probably would have been tied up with the cops for a while. So, yeah, it would have slowed down the updates, so they would have been annoyed. Brandon, this is what happens when you ask me for updates. (laughs) Oh my god, that is a great story. That is a really. That's in Brian. I'm glad I didn't just show up at your house. I know I met you at Grand Central Station. I'm so glad. (laughs) In a very public place. (laughs) Literally, Grand Central. Also, been some some cool. I had a guy who, uh, you know, he. This was sneaky. Around November a couple years ago, he he asked me if uh, he just sent me an email saying, "Hey, I hear you live in Atlanta. Um, I got to pass through there on the way to uh, move out west. Um, can you tell me what some good restaurants are?" Out west. Well, he was moving from Virginia, um, like out to Oklahoma. And, and we'd be making a stopover in Atlanta for some reason. I'm yeah. doing math in my head. Now, Jen doesn't know where the where Atlanta is in terms of the whole country. But I do. I do, It's a little bit of a no. dip. Really? Where, where is Atlanta? I know where Atlanta is. Let, so. let the man speak. The man comes on. He cancels his plans to be interviewed. And we're... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but he, but and the whole thing was a lie. He just wanted to know where we like to eat out because he sent me a gift certificate for the restaurant we told him about. Oh, thank so, God! I thought he was going to be waiting in the parking lot on the up no. no. <laughs> Have you thought of consulting the Secret Service and getting like a detail to follow behind you, or like no. a high schooler who could just like whisper into his wrist? It's just the know. price of being famous. 
which which is kind of weird for me, but I, I don't <laughs> consider myself famous. But I guess I'm I, I I'm, I'm getting used to the idea because I don't like make any money off of it. But <laughs> um, but yeah, I've got you know when I pull up my stats on fanfiction.net and you know um, nightmares of futures past just on fanfiction.net has almost two, almost three million reads. Wow! Go, Damn. And, and and you don't really think about how many people actually get into what you're do what you're putting out there on the net until you know something like that happens. Um, so that's been sort of a strange experience. Well, I think like I think just having a mailing list and have people subscribe to it is for me would be like you know I would be ecstatic. <laughs> I'm like, people want to know what I have. Just, this is wonderful. Well, it was like me. I started Barfic Weekly. I'm like, okay, maybe we'll get three, four people to listen. And it obviously got bigger than that. But that was like, it's weird. Like, did you have any idea, like, even when this started, when you started publishing, did you have any idea it would be as big as it got or even close? Oh, no clue. I had no clue. The only reason I started the mailing list was because I kept getting into arguments with this guy called Unicorn um, in my author notes about um, – well, he still wants to know where the damn gun's going to come into this, and uh, that Glock Harry found, and uh, just arguing about different things and the martial arts and why Harry didn't kick Vernon's butt and everything else. So I st- and and then fanfiction.net comes out with this rule that if you have too much, if you have review replies in your author notes, we're going to kick your story off the web, which is what happened to Bob Min. And uh, so I'm like, can't do that. So I put, so I start, I, I did a little digging around and 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 set up a Yahoo group, and now it's got like um, almost 4,600 people on it. Wow! So, and lots of eclectic conversation about all sorts of topics. Uh, Staying on topic is really difficult. On these oh, thank God, it's not just us. These people turn into a religion, but uh, but it, it, it it's a lot of fun. And we get into some very interesting, like I said, the the and the, the 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 Harry Potter and the Naruto people have slowly started to get along, and they started reading the other story, so they're all kind of getting along nicely. This is like a non-aggression pact. Yeah. <laughs> Although the, the 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 I found that the anime fans are sort of are a little more energetic in some ways. They. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> okay. I, I did my background <laughs> in, in so I, what? I like numbers. Um, you know, half as many people have read Team Aid as have read Nightmares of Futures Past, but it's got the same number of reviews. Oh, it's got roughly the, uh, it's got almost the same number of reviews. So, oh, wow. evidently, the anime people um, have a higher review rate than the Harry Potter fans. Maybe the maybe the Harry Potter fans are kind of jaded. I don't know. But just <laughs> oh, I don't think so at all. I think the Harry Potter I'm fans are just jaded. a very well grounded group of people. I've well, I, I know when I was writing. When I was writing Dragon Ball Z fanfiction, I would get, you know, <clears throat> a lot more reviews per chapter than I do for Harry Potter. So I think that's probably a a universal experience. But then the, all the reviews that I would get for, you know, Dragon Ball Z were kawaii and, you know, random Japanese words and, <laughs> you know. I think it may Great be some of the reader and writer demographic. And I'm not quite sure why, although I've had a lot of people say in reviews that um, – on teammate that they're that they they'll they're praising me and they're and they're complaining that there's everything written in in Naruto fan fiction is garbage. So I think maybe there's a different reader demographic and a different and a different author demographic. 
Um, now there are some really good people in team in in, in the Naruto fan fiction, mm-hmm. but I don't think quite as many really good authors in that in that in that genre as there are in the Harry Potter. So, um, yeah. if you write something really good in Harry Potter, you'll get you'll get you'll get a fair number of reviews. If you write something really good in a genre where maybe there aren't as really as many highly accomplished writers, highly technically accomplished writers, you get a lot bigger response because you you stand out more. That actually makes a lot of sense. That does make a lot of sense. But yeah, it's like even with you know like the Parfic Weekly Forum, we have 500 members, which is much smaller than a lot of other you know forums. A lot of other like you have 4,600 members, but we have like over 200,000 posts because like you know the smaller number you know means these are people are much more active to to make up the gap. So that's actually interesting. I never really thought of the different um, of the different fandoms. Oh, it also could be the fact that. You know, if you're a fan of an anime, you're watching it on TV or as a video. And if you're a fan of the Harry Potter books, you're reading someone's writing. So yeah. you have something to compare it to. That's true. That's true. That's true. I well, we were talking. Um, one of my friends is uh, Midoroko no Khan. She wrote. She writes um, mostly Inuyasha fan fiction. And um, she cannot be enticed to come over to the Harry Potter fandom. She likes the stories but can't be enticed over here, uh, mostly because of our tradition of wank. And also because, you know, it's, it's, it, this is a very hard fandom to build a reputation in and get constant readers. And, you know, it's, it, that's, I mean, that seems to be the universal experience is that there's so many good writers and, and decent writers that the decent writers are kind of, left in the hustle and bustle of things because people are very, you know, they flock to the really, really good ones, and we have a lot of those as well. Yeah. So, well, I just had a heart attack when I got invited to join fanficauthors.net. Um, mm-hmm. Tim, Jack, and I, it's like, because I, I didn't, you know, I, objectively, I did not think I fit there. I, I didn't think I was I, I was anywhere near that good as, as like, Jack and I and some of those guys. Well, it's interesting. Really? Because our- I would say that you're better than Jack and I. And Jack and I and I don't get along, so I'm done talking. <laughs> no, I, I hated this means war, and we went round and round about it. <laughs> so, yeah, we uh, had some fun conversations about that. Just because we had disagreements about characterization, and yeah, but he's a but he's an interesting it's writer. A so, yeah, huh? but he. He's it's a but yeah it's a comedy fix so I, I kind of gave him a blank check on some of that stuff it was some of that was just funny. Hey, I have a question. What's your favorite Harry Potter fan fiction other than anything you've written? A good question. I know I, I'm I'm due for one every interview. I, mm. I have like this like the light bulb goes. <laughs> yeah, I, I think. Well, here here's the deal: is it's you know it's. You, know, it's, you you never forget your first love kind of thing. Mm-hmm. First fan fiction I ever read was uh, 2005. I was in a hotel in um, Omaha because I was there doing some training for my job. Uh, do, I was doing some training for a, a, an outsourced call center. And um, I just finished reading Half-Blood Prince. And I'm going, God, I, I want I want to read more. So I get I get on my Seems laptop. very familiar. <laughs> this is when I came into. <laughs> yeah. And and I ended up on fanfiction.net, and I started reading Bob Men, um, Bob and Alex, and I started reading Dumbledore's Army, and um, 
and it's and that just that just sucked me in so bad. I I, I st- end up staying up all night reading that story in a hotel room. When well, I had to teach a class the next morning, which is really stupid. <laughs> I kind of sleptwalk through. I'm teaching broadband over power line tech support and kind of in a daze but it was so good it sucked me in and what's funny is bob and alex hate that story they won't even post on fanfic fan, on fanfic authors because it's their like the first thing they did and they think it's awful um but uh they did a that but and then they did their sophomore series which is uh um sunset over britain and sunrise over britain which uh the best way i can i can describe it is um what if tom clancy had written the last two Harry Potter books. The way they they do the narrative flow, you know how a Tom if, if, who is anyone on this call read Tom Clancy stuff, especially his later his late the later good stuff, not the op center stuff. I jump. I've seen like the movies based on, but okay. no, I've read them. My parents are really into them. The uh, the oh that series <laughs> with the with the Indian the Native American detective and the that's him, right? No, Tom Clancy no. writes no thrillers with uh, Jack Ryan. Oh, oh, that series. Yes, okay. I've read that. You, you know how he'll kind of do <laughs> the, the scenes set in like entirely different parts of, of the country that will all eventually come together and how the whole thing kind of flows in together at the climax? Yeah. They do that all through this story, and they do it so well. It's it's like professional quality stuff. So It's like and, Heroes. Yeah. And I'm watching Heroes for the first time. I can compare anything to Heroes right now, but that one actually seemed to work, so I jumped I up. haven't actually seen that one, so. Um, Good show. Yeah. We don't, we don't watch TV, so. Um, but they're probably, them and um, and Jay Byrne are, uh, well, pretty much anyone on fanficauthors.net, I will drop anything to read. Jay, Jim Bernheimer wrote a, 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 an entire Harry Potter story set in second person tense which is just absolutely was which seems kind of awkward at first but it's just absolutely riveting and he carried it off was that the bungle in the jungle one yeah a harry luna story which is a, a very unusual harry luna story coco pelly's written some good stuff there I, I i'll stop plugging that site i have difficulty finding anything bad on fanficauthors.net um but Bob and Alex were the ones I first started reading. And, um, you know, if you start reading Sunset Over Britain and Sunrise Over Britain right off the weekend, and if you, if you don't have the time, if you can't read them continuously, you're going to lose a week of free time because they're like, you know, seven million words, ridiculous amounts of material there. So Vicar Mac wants to know. Um, Vicar Mac? Yeah, Vicar Mac. Or was, Mac. I thought it was Viker Mac all the time. It's been, is it Viker Mac? Isn't it Vicar Mac? I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Mac, our um, our resident humanitarian and do-gooder. What's the biggest complaint with the story so far? What have fans um, complained about? And if you could do something different, what's the one thing you would change? And that was what was your biggest complaint about the story? Uh-oh. Yeah. The fans' biggest complaint is more, faster, now. Um, uh-huh. I, I'm not producing as fast as they want, and it's the thing. The thing with Nightmares of Futures Past is part of this was an exercise for me because I written. Um, I was I'm in the middle. I was in the middle of writing a series of novels, and I'd written the first two, and th- through the first and second novels, the core group of characters was three really good friends, and maybe four or five secondary characters, and that was all I was dealing with. The third novel. 
the arena was going to have to deal with um, the power structure of a small city, and I was going to probably end up quadrupling the number of minor characters I was going to have to keep track of, and that was a completely daunting task for me. And I didn't intend to I, – I, it, it basically stopped progress on that because I was, was really um, trying to figure out where to start with this. So starting Nightmares of the Future's Past, you know, I've got six protagonists here. And there's a – when you start mapping out all the people that have gotten significant amounts of screen time in this story, it's bloody huge. Um, yeah. And – I'm, boy, this is, this is like swallowing a watermelon sometimes because you're trying to keep track of all this plot stuff. And, you know, my outline is, is enormous and messy and constantly being messed with. And, you know, you, you, you swallow it down a little bit more and then you got to stretch your mouth a little bit wider. And, you know, it, it, it's like watching a, a giant constrictor snake swallow a watermelon. Um, trying to get this going. So it's not going as quickly as I would like because I'm terrified of uh, blowing some major details, which is one reason why there's this big revision going on. I've been having people send me any weird continuity things they see, and there were a lot more than I thought there would be. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I have recently had a Jay Byrne read Discovering Lily. Let me tell you. <laughs> there were a couple things in there that didn't. You want, uh, you want somebody to find some plot holes, you need to get him oh, on he's... your fic. I, I got him actually reading my first – well, the, that series of novels is called The Deal, The Journey, and the third one's going to be The Arena. He's reading The Deal right now and just ripping it to pieces, and it's great. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And in return, we've done some beta work for him as well. Yeah. He's got a novel he's um, working on with – actually, it's him and Coco Pelli are working on, on an original novel called Dead Eye that's uh, um, really freaking cool, and that's all I can really say about it. But – um you know they're they're looking at trying to get that um, published at some point in the near future. So do you do you write original work as well? I've been doing that a lot longer. I've been doing fan, I've only been doing fan fiction for two three years. I've been doing original stuff a lot longer. Um, now my first novel completely sucks, and you know I don't think so. Brilliant Awakening Blue. Okay, <laughs> uh, I feel like I'm sitting at their kitchen table. This is awesome. Yeah. Uh, I I started that I started that novel in God 1991 so uh, I'm glad I got it finished because getting just going through the whole process of finishing a novel because um, the weird thing is, is is I had the ending planned out for years I just couldn't get the middle finished and then I wrote the like the last forty thousand words in like a day that I completely lost track of um, but getting the experience of getting that done was good because. Um, the next thing I wrote is much more coherent, and I, I can look at that with some pride and say, "Yeah, hey, it's pretty cool." Uh, right up until Jay Byrne showed me that there was a sequ- that the initial f- narrative flow in the first four or five chapters was was needs to be straightened out, but I can fix that. It, it's kind of cool. Is um, I did my undergraduate in engineering, which is really good for a writer, I think, because it helps me extract the ego from the revision process. Because I can focus on, you know, this is this isn't about whether I'm good or a good writer or not. This is about improving the product. You know, this is improving the design. This is uh, making the mechanism work better. So I can focus on it that way. Um, 
so you know when I talk about Jim ripping the hell out of it, I'm I'm happy. You it's know, he's fine. Like when you when you said you're going back, I knew I knew you were doing the revision of Nightmares. Is it like how big of a revision is it? Is it you know large scale plot? Is it you know moving this scene from day to night because it flows better? Um, it's 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 continuity errors. Okay. Uh, Jenny mentioned the bat bogey hex in two different ways. Um, the, I think the biggest the biggest shift is the chapter after Harry gives that review to Rita Skinner, mm-hmm. where he declares war on half the wizarding world. Um, that ch- the chapter after that, I changed the sequence of scenes. So um, Dumbledore reading that and getting a migraine, reading the interview and getting a migraine happens later in the chapter, but it doesn't really affect anything else. That's the biggest change I can think of as far as plot, plot goes. Um, I actually remember that. Where Because I remember reading that scene. I, I can't recall my exact thoughts now, but I remember feeling, I'm like, huh, that was weird. Was that scene, where was where did it fall in the original, in the original right of it? I had it earlier in that chapter. Okay. Um, you know, he talks, he gets a migraine. Cause I was thinking maybe he got an advanced copy of it or is the evening copy, is the evening edition of the prophet. You know, it didn't even really strike me as that big a deal, but someone pointed out, you know, it'd probably be better to have this later because, um, just to make the sequencing less confusing. I'm like, okay. Yeah, because I, okay, that, that makes, and there was another thing too that I think you moved, wasn't it like, it was like daytime and all of a sudden it was nighttime or something like that in like a, a much earlier chapter. Yeah, and most of those are just, you just, it, it's just a random phrasing I, I had stuck in without thinking that had that caused a, an apparent continuity error. So yeah. it's just write it out, get rid of it. Now let me ask you this. You, oh, sorry. Did you have a? Did you want to jump in there? He's just mostly doing line edits, basically. Okay. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Do you know how the story will end right now? Yes. Uh, one of the questions um, that is on here somewhere. I forget if it was Mac or if someone else had asked it. Uh, will it be a full seven-year story? Maybe close. It's probably not going to take a full seven years to resolve it, but it'll be close. Now you know how it's going to end. Have, you've said you've changed certain things. Has anything that you've written so? I'm not sure if you can answer this. Has anything that you've written so far? Was that all? Was there anything that major that you've changed so far for whatever reason when you've been writing, or is there stuff to come that you've changed your mind on as you've been writing? <laughs> There, as I iron it out, well, so one thing I do in my outline process is um, there are certain scenes that will pop into my head full bone, and I said, "Oh, I got to have that in the story." Um, the scene where that that sequence where Harry fires off his Patronus charm at full power for the first time, mm-hmm. you know, it looks like a damn photon torpedo hitting the ground. <laughs> it's like twenty uh, feet tall. He's like, hmm. like "Holy crap!" You know, awkward. <laughs> You know, that scene occurred to me in the shower, and I said, oh, that's going to be great. <laughs> that was I, I, that scene got written into my outline around Chapter 2. Um, and sometimes as I'm going along, I'm like, you know, this needs balance. Um, let me do something different. You know, that's, that's, how, that's how Melissa Bolstro was introduced. I'm like, this needs something. And that mm-hmm. popped into my head, and I said, okay, I'll use that. Um, most of my dialogue is when I'm, when I'm getting ready to write a conversation, I will have a general idea in how I want the conversation to end, but I sort of improv the dialogue. Um, <laughs> Hey, third year Dungeons and Dragons. If I can't improv dialogue by now, I've got to be brain dead. 
And then when we read it out loud, we can see whether it sounds like people are talking or not. Yeah. Uh, that, that's, say- that's my best revision tool is reading it out loud. No joke. And he has me read it out loud as I haven't read it before at that point, so I'm just reading it as I see it and as it goes. I'm tempted to ask how his fan fiction improved your marriage, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> we talk a lot. We enjoy I talking about the plot and the characters. Jen, we can work on together. Jen's, I wish I had that with my husband. Jen's dream marriage is pillow talk over plot bunnies. Like, right? That's the whole thing. Well, I'll, I'll I have put it no this way. idea. <laughs> I married a gamer because I refused to marry outside my religion. <laughs> we both enjoy good books. We both enjoy playing online games and paper and pencil games. And we both enjoy Harry Potter and Naruto. So we've got a lot to talk about. This is true. I'm very impressed. <laughs> yeah, you got to be friends first, everybody out there. <laughs> Marriage counseling. Be able to hang out your <laughs> well, then. <laughs> I feel like sometimes Jen's talking to me. <laughs> well, we were we were friends for most of the summer before I realized she wasn't dating this guy anymore. And I'm like, oh, she's available. Dude. You yeah. did that too? <laughs> she was a friend of the photo Well, I did it the other way. I actually set my fiancé up with the crazy guy from hell and then realized. I hope he doesn't listen. <laughs> Jason, if you're out there listening to Barfic Weekly, I'm very, very sorry it didn't work out for you. Oh, wait, you're married now. Okay. The- he loves to tell people the fact that I was his trainer. So Really? Go I have a question from Allie. Because I think I like this question because I'm curious too. Okay. Let me let me say it because it's kind of long. Who's your favorite character in the story? Why? Are they your fairy are they the, are your oh geez, sorry Allie. Are they your favorite character in Canon too? If not, then why and who is? <sighs> I think Luna is one of my favorite characters in the story because she's the voice of my subconscious. <laughs> <laughs> I never oh, I plan. I can never plan out her dialogue because I'll just be riding along and it's a little voice in the back of my head says, Luna says this. And I'm like, that's cool. Let's put that in there. Um, you know, I'll just have her. She's kind of the intu- intuitive genius. She's the counterbalance to, you know, the three girls in this, in, in this, in this hexad are kind of interesting, you know, um, Jenny's the bravery. Jenny's the brave one. Hermione's the logical one, and uh, and Luna's the intuitive one. And that's sort that that's pretty much how they are. How I see them in canon too. Um, and uh, there'll be you 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 got to watch Luna in this story because there'll be little things she'll do that will just cut, catch Harry completely off guard. Well, she's um, the smartest character in the story. I forget what episode, if this was the episode that you just heard or not, but Luna just absolutely says what everyone is thinking. Like, I think in every great story, you have that one character, and that's always her. Which, you know, on first glance, you look at her, and she seems like she's, you know, the the, the crazy character who doesn't know anything, but she's not. I think she's incredibly... Yeah. She can get away with saying things that other characters can't, too. You know, and that scene with Neville being the crap out of Draco... I even had a little contest in my author notes saying, you know, figure out where I where I bar, where this is an homage to, and I'll write you into the story. And uh, um, you know, it's my one of my favorite authors is David Eddings. Is any of you guys read him? No. Okay, this will be completely meaningless. So, um, but well, the little bit of her, may have heard it. 
<laughs> we didn't read Tom Clancy either, but come on. Well, well from the Elanium well, with... Uh, me, you'd have to give me characters, because I don't uh, remember. Sparhawk. Um, when Elana is is uh, reminiscing about when she first fell, fell in love with Sparhawk was when he was her tutor, and a courtier had had been rude to her, and she was the princess, but she but her father really isolated her and didn't like her. And um, yeah, that was familiar. And, I think my and Sparhawk, and and, father, and, yeah. and one of the courtiers offered her some impertinence, and Sparhawk, you know, didn't really wasn't really happy about tutoring this little this this younger girl. Um, but he's like, well, I'm the queen's champion, so I gotta, I gotta kick your butt, and goes over and breaks the guy's nose, and she stared at him and it's like, wow, this guy shed blood for me, and just at that point, she decided she's going to marry him. Now this has happened when when Sparhawk was like 20 and she was like nine, and she has to wait until she's 20 and he's, you know, it, it, she decides at that point she's going to marry him and spent the next 12 years figuring out how to trap him <laughs> and waiting to grow up waiting to grow up so she so she could she could make him marry her um but you know i i that was sort of an homage to that with um you know draco was rude to her and um neville just smote the crap out of him and which i really enjoyed um yes i was cheering too hooray <laughs> and at that point, she decided, you know, I like him. I'm going to keep him. Um, well, I have two questions for you. And decided you that, well, and, and she and then she mutters, at least I don't have to worry about changing my initials. Yeah. Which she says in Neville's response, it's like, <gasps> but, but no, Neville, Neville doesn't hear oh, that. Did Neville Harry hear it? Down the, no. No, ne- Harry <laughs> hears it and smiles, right? Harry, no, Harry heard it and almost fell, tripped and fell down the stairs. Okay, I was half right in the beginning. <laughs> it's like yeah. someone heard it and went, <laughs> it's, okay, it was Harry. You know, Harry's got this, you know, even at this time, Harry was, you know, the master manipulator, yada, yada, yada. He knew all this stuff, yada, yada, yada. And, uh, but Luna knocks him completely off balance the same way she does everybody else. And I, I, I that she's just a lot of fun that you, way. You gotta love us. We get like 85% of the details of the chapters right all the time. Um, but, there's, a of, there's a lot of stuff there. But I do love the scene with um, with Luna and Hermione when um, Luna compares Hermione to her muggle neighbors who don't believe in magic because Hermione won't believe in all of these creatures that aren't in books. It's, I mean, that's just the definite. I thought that was just that scene. Just they're 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 really good foils to each other. I think because they're just yeah. they're so opposite. I just thought that was great. Um, I wanted to ask you two questions. Uh, the first one we had a. We really didn't talk about it too much, but when um, you decided to make Luna a Gryffindor versus a Ravenclaw, um, I you, love that. By the way, yeah, you res- you responded to like there was some you know question. Um, it was mentioned in the podcast whether or not you just didn't like Canon Luna, so wanted to fix her or whatever. I just wanted to give you the chance to respond to that on the podcast. And I after that, it. I want to talk to you about Gran because we have some talking to do. But I love uh, I love Canon Luna, but um, you know one of the more poignant things in. Um, Order of the Phoenix was Harry's realization that, you know, he's not the only one whose life is sucking. She was not, you know, she's being, she's harassed by her dorm mates. And, you know, five years of that, or or sorry, in her case, four years of that will change a person. Um, And, you know, there, there are differences between my Luna and Canon Luna, but most of them are related to the fact that she's around people that accept her. And, you know, she's. This is how Luna would be if she wasn't 
socially abused by her dorm mates for for multiple years um and but a, a big a big hunk of it was i couldn't see harry being in this position and not doing something to take care of her um you know he's he, the the hat already knows his secret he's got nothing to lose um by trying to recruit its help and he knew that Luna was going to have trouble. Um, you know, the Gryffindor Six in this story are the people that went with him to the Department of Mysteries. Those are people that went into danger to help. It, and this is in canon. They went into a dangerous situation. They shed blood and had their blood shed trying to help him. He owes them. Um, and if he doesn't do any, anything he can... To help them, he's not honoring their loyalty. So it was sort of a, he didn't really have a choice about doing that because he couldn't be, he couldn't be the kind of Harry he he needs to be if he just left her to go rotten Ravenclaw. Good answer. <laughs> it's really good. No, that's a, that's an excellent answer. I just want I just want to actually sidestep my own question for a sec. We talked a lot about, you know, the potential for huma- for Harry manipulating people. Was it manipulation? You know, so, and you responded a lot um, on the forum, but just for the benefit of the podcast, what's your reaction to, to both, you know, what you wrote in the story in terms of Harry going back in time with foreknowledge of what's to come and our discussion of it? What thoughts do you have on well, that? I'll say this about Harry and the manipulation. And a lot of this got voiced in the dialogue and um, Jay Byrne actually gave me – we were had a discussion in a thread about this on the FFA forums, and he said, you know, if Hermione is the one most likely to, to raise the manipulation question when, you re- when he reveals, and you just ask her, what would you do in my situation? And that will shut her down. Um, the, the key thing is as soon as it was safe for him to do so, Harry told them everything. And I think that is the key. Yes, there was some he maneuvered he did some maneuvering to get things set up, but and he couldn't tell them exactly why they needed to know like, why they needed to know occlumency. But and and you can see him consoling himself when he's when he's starting to when he's his stomach is starting to twist a little bit about the moral considerations of what he's doing and am I just manipulating them? Am I no better than Dumbledore? You know, his consolation was, well, as soon as their occlumency is solid, I'll tell them everything. And he pretty much, he was ready to throw himself on a sword at that point. He told them everything and said, you know, if you, th- if you think I've manipulated you, have at um, And I think that's a really key difference between him and canon Dumbledore is Dumbledore didn't reveal anything until he was dead. <laughs> that is true. Right. In, but in, he, in he let them be at their, at, you know, at their mercy. He put himself at their mercy. Yeah. And I love that. That's one of my favorite scenes where they all just end up hugging and. James, yeah. did you cry? I, I did cry. No. I loved that, that scene. Objective accomplished. That was supposed <laughs> to make you. That was like. It him did. Shoot, but, yeah. If you didn't cry, I've I, I done something wrong. Um, 
Well, oh, he you, made his beta cry too. Well, you still may have done something wrong. I mean, Jen cries at toilet paper commercials, but I too got weepy and I cry at nothing. So I think that you you did accomplish what you set out to accomplish. Did you? That, that wasn't even, that wasn't my favorite scene. My favorite scene was when Ron was telling Harry that he didn't want to know anything. That was when I like was like. Oh, oh no! There were several right. scenes in this. Yeah, there were yeah. several scenes where I was like, <laughs> "Well, you know, Meg's not here to, to to say this, but I like your Ron a lot better than Canon Ron because Canon Ron makes me kind of want to poke my eye out with like that little like hook thing on your belt, like it just." You know. Hey now, but hey now, that's Canon Ron. But he had no, he had a journey to take. Take Ryan. It was a very important he left journey. Them. And he had to. He, well, he had to, Jennifer. Otherwise, the he story isn't as good. He left them, and Dumbledore's a jerk. I just find him to be very... He's like the 13-year-old that you know will grow out of it, but you just want to strangle him. That's kind of like my thing with Ron. But the, the one scene that... Well, actually, two scenes that really stick out of my mind for me are is the scene when Ron finds Harry at Privet Drive, having been beaten half to death. And the scene where he's talking with Arthur about how Harry is, you know how you know exciting harry's life is and how ron just totally understands that harry's life isn't that great and it's like the it's what you wish to god that canon ron would have learned earlier so but he couldn't yeah because harry canon harry had that i'm not going to talk about any of my problems and i'm going to bottle up everything and not let anyone know anything is wrong syndrome so okay. to ron and and, and <laughs> Sorry. In, in, well, he, it, it, it was. Yeah. If, if you don't consider what happened at private driving cannon an abusive situation, please never have kids. Um, yeah, please a, don't. Frying pan swung. I'm, I'm sorry. Where I come from, if you swing a frying pan at, a, at, a, at, a, at an 11 year old's head, um, Defax is going to come and take your kids. Yeah. Okay. Um, because I don't care if it's a Teflon pan. I don't care if it's cast iron pan. Um, we're talking that the skull, that's a skull fracture. Um, yeah, that's, that's a fatal injury. I mean, if it, yeah, if you wouldn't, if they don't die. Yeah. 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 And so, well, I mean, yeah. but, but, but getting, but getting back to it, Harry merged. Harry had enough insight to realize that, um, one of the reasons why Ron felt so jealous is that he, that is that Harry was, this is supposed to be Harry's best friend. But he hides so much from him. Mm-hmm. So he's straightforward. Well, and he tells you have to be able to relate to people. Yeah. yeah. And, and well, Ron... Harry didn't have any of the skills to do that in canon. Harry's right. not a people person. <laughs> I mean, he's kind and, of... And no one to be... relate to so Harry he's either. He's mostly retarded. And, his, and, that's, and <laughs> you can lay that directly at the feet of the Dursleys because he was socially isolated. I mean, it, it, it talks about, you know, no one wanted to be friends with him because they didn't want to run, run afoul of Dudley. Um, mm-hmm. you know, his, his aunt and uncle did everything they could to keep him socially isolated. He didn't have any friends. Um, the closet didn't help. Yeah, how does a kid come out of that yeah. situation with social skills? And the answer is yeah, they, they don't. don't. In fiction, he's lucky do. he can form complete sentences. <laughs> you know, that's mm-hmm. kind of where we're at. Now, I, um, I did my master's in developmental psychology and there is some, you know, it, it, one of the things that that kind of bothers me a little bit about canon is, as they gloss over some of those aspects. And a kid coming out of that situation is not supposed to be normal. No. Um, you know, um, especially, you know, even kids who, who are in abusive situations that don't come out of it messed up, 
when they do case studies on them, usually there's something in their lives. There's some figure, an adult figure, a priest, a teacher, a coach, someone that they can anchor some kind of social support network around. They have at least one adult who's concerned about their well-being who they can talk to, and they can also role model as, this is what I want to be like when I grow up. Almost every kid who's been in an abusive situation and came out of it psychologically intact or healthy has had something like that. Harry ain't got that. There's no, no reason why he should have come that come out of that as well adjusted as he did. Well, um, that's true. I mean, you can make an argument for you know when he's 11, he very he very firmly grasps onto Dumbledore, which I think you cannot underestimate the the amount of things that Dumbledore did for Harry. Did he fail Harry? For- did he fail Harry? Yes. But at want- the same that time. Yeah. I mean, you wonder how much he knew about the situation, because I don't think I would hope that Dumbledore would not have left him. And that's, you know, but it's kind of it's it's an awkward it's situation. Iffy. Yeah. But I we think had enormous debate on my mailing list that went on for a month, probably a couple thousand posts about going back and forth about is Dumbledore an idiot? Is he an evil manipulator? Is he just clueless? We're still having that conversation in the fandom today. And, yeah. and and the thing is, I don't think it's something that's going to be easily answered. I, I have say yes. <laughs> you know, I can sit there for five minutes and think of ten different better alternatives for Harry than Private Drive. Um, and yeah. Dumbledore is supposed Famous. to be a smart guy. Yeah, well, you know, the, the, the thing of it was that it, it was more advantageous for the world in general and not just Harry for Harry to be at Privet Drive. It kind of made everything it made everything neat and tidy, which I think at the end of the war that was what Dumbledore wanted. He you know, you know so was was the final gone. Yeah, I mean well, but, also, but, I, but at Harry the same time but at the same time, you cannot deny that he was doing what he thought would be best for Harry. If he raised Harry in a wizarding setting, you he know, would have had two Draco he would have Malfoy's. had Draco Malfoy's. Yeah, exactly. And um, the blood protection spell was extremely important, even after Gob- Goblet of Fire. You cannot deny how important that was. And but Ramus, how, 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 how stable is that? Ramus? Ramus isn't stable at all. I wouldn't leave a kid with Ramus. Look what he did in Deathly Hollows. I mean, come on. Look what on. he did to his own kid. He went and yeah, look what he did. To, yeah, exactly. Well, Ramus was but, probably in no shape to take care of a kid. But Peter, you look at are you going to leave a kid with path, Peter? Harry should have come out of that situation with a pathological hatred from Muggles and ready to sign up to be the next Dark Lord. That's he what he in that situation. But that's what makes him the hero. I mean, that's but, what, that's but you why don't it's, know maybe that. you don't know he's going to come out that way. But you don't. But Dumbledore, this guy's a professional educator, and he's supposed to understand kids. And <laughs> that's why he's an administrator. <laughs> if, if the future of the wizarding world depends on this kid being a hero, you don't put him into an abusive situation. You don't make him grow up in an abusive home life. Or you check <laughs> on him yeah. biannually. It makes you tough, yeah. though. I mean,. Harry yeah. did end up getting a fixed skin, I would say, you know. Yeah, yeah. but you, you, you don't set out in advance to say, you know, we'll lock him into the cupboard for 10 years, I'll put some hair Well, I mean, that was not Dumbledore's intention. I think that you're getting wrapped no, up in... Yeah. in I, I, that's and you They should have checked on him. Yeah, they, they, they should have checked on him. Did, Harry, did Dumbledore and Harry? warned him yes. that these people were not good people. Could. Yeah. Right. And Mrs. Fake was there. Mrs. Fake knew what was happening. And she yeah, obviously well, reported back 
what was happening. It's either it's either J.K. Rowling failed us as a community by not giving the the you know us enough information about what was going on, or or she you know was making some sort of caricature. In, in but the it first also couple is of like Ridian said. It's also like Ridian said. He said. Um, you know, in that circumstance, the, a person has to latch on to somebody, and and and. But that's what was so important about the Harry Potter series, because when you think about them, what are they about? They're about latching on to people who are loyal and creating a family situation out of it. Yeah, you know, and so he did exactly is, that. Most kids by eleven are going to be are already going to be a sociopath. Well, that's true. You know, Harry should have been cutting apart neighborhood pets. No. Yeah, well, he should. That was in the early draft. He obviously has an attachment disorder because he, of the way that he interacts. Yeah, he left her. Um, Well, yeah, because people with attachment disorders do that when the going gets rough. And, but, you know, not everybody in that situation is going to turn into Charles Manson. It's just not going to happen. So, I mean, by, you can say, yes, he should have been a sociopath or. That seems like a gross generalization to me. Now, granted, I've only had three, well, yeah. two and a half semesters of, of my education degree, but that seems to be a gross but edu- point, the generalization. The point is you take the risk. Yeah. The but the also, risk. neglect is not, I mean, people, as far, as much as the Dursleys, you know, we, you know, we have to assume that they abused a lot more. I think most of the abuse was neglect, and people can overcome neglect, I think. I think you can there was, build there relationships act- with people. There was in in the first book they describe like active efforts to isolate him, um, mm-hmm. which is which is part of it. They, they 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 spoiled Dudley in front of him just to make him feel worse. Oh, well, and, that's true. And then you and then you stack on the physical abuse that you saw hence you saw glimpses of the frying pan to the head, you know Vernon trying to strangle him to death at, at, in the Order of the Phoenix. Um, yeah, you know, that's true. that was an accidental. There was that was one accidental magic discharge away from uh, Voldemort winning the war because Harry dies, you know, <laughs> yeah. or Voldemort or Vernon collapses his trachea and he suffocates. You know, yeah. it's a, that's eleven pounds of force. There, we'll we'll we'll, we'll collapse that. Learn that in karate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, we're backing away from the seven foot tall guy who knows how to collapse my trachea. <laughs> <laughs> I suck. I suck at karate, but I, I, I learned a lot. Close but, enough. Close enough. Well, uh, the one thing I wanted to say in terms of you know whether J.K. Rowling failed the audience, I think that <laughs> I think that Harry Potter is a, a modern version story of essentially Cinderella. It's you have the you know the the life surrounded by evil relatives who don't love you, and all of a sudden one day everything changes. And I think right. that was the story she set out to tell. She didn't get into it to tell, you know, a a, a story of child abuse or a story of of, of well, emotional. And, and she wasn't writing for she wasn't writing for, yeah, she's writing for kids. twenty to twenty to thirty five year olds who have degrees in human development yeah, and, it's and Cinderella. education. It's Cinderella. She's writing. She's writing her her um yeah, her target art audience, especially I, I think, after Bloomsbury got a hold of it, it was a lot younger. Yeah. So, I, think I think that's a little bit of a cop out for her, though, because she knows her audience aged, and Deathly Hollows was not written for third graders. Well, no, no, but I don't but think I it was meant to be. And and if you're going to tell a fairy tale, then stick to the fairy tale forms. The problem the problem is is she's mixing is she's mixing um, the 
the pattern. She's got she wants to do the Cinderella story with the evil with the ridiculously re- exaggerated evil behavior of the stepsister of the evil stepsisters whatever. But then she's trying to mix it with realistic aspects of the story. But isn't that what makes it original and unique? I mean, I think that's But at the, the same time, you have the, the the problem is that compromises the whole this is I'm just telling a fairy tale aspect of it. If you're going to if you're going to try to make this if you're going to try to make the story realistic, you have an issue with well then fine. If you're trying to make the story realistic, then we're going to hold you to that. And that means you know Harry's development being treated in a realistic manner, and that's you know there's consequences. But at the to that. same time, there's there there are anomalies in 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 life every everywhere. I mean, not everybody that come that comes out of a situation where you say, oh, well, they're obviously going to be a psychopath or a sociopath or this and that. I mean, not everybody. You cannot oh, no. it's, always one hundred percent predict the behavior. Exactly. Human behavior. But and not everyone who breathes asbestos gets lung cancer. But we don't. We, we still pull it out of the ceilings of the schools. Well, what he's saying, I think, is that if she was going to put realist, real life aspects into the story, she should have justified it a little better. Which is a good point. I mean, look at Snape's character and him continuing to be a teacher. That was not yeah. ever explained why they kept him in that position. Really. Because really, if he he should not have been teaching, period. He well, he shouldn't have been around. He shouldn't have been around. He shouldn't have around children. Yeah, I mean, especially Harry. Especially Harry. <clears throat> I mean, I, I I that is one thing about Ken, and I just I'm never gonna get over. Yeah, because see, I, well, that's first of all, what he's I talking about Lily, with the abuse situation. Chi. Well, yeah, that's Lily the same. Sue, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like her anyway. Um, but yeah, you I, don't I mean, like I Lily. Huh? No, I don't like Lily in canon. Okay. Yeah. I'm and you're going to read with all my love and see if you can pick up on that. But you probably can't because she's cool in that one. Well, you but, um, so with Remus, whatever. She didn't, no, she didn't end up with Remus. But she. <laughs> Thank you for spoiling the ending. Continue with your thoughts. Oh, it's not oh. even a plot point. No. <laughs> it's not even a plot point. No. <laughs> the problem with, Jen. with Lily and Mary Sue, the problem with, the problem oh. with Lily in canon is that everybody fell in love with her. You get the sense that Ramus was in love with her. You get the sense that you know that Snape was in love with her. Obviously, James spent half of his life mooning over her. And I don't know any girl that had three guys, you know, in high school constantly pining after her. I thought oh, that I was did. No. <laughs> Jen's like that was me. Yeah, y'all are, y'all are harsh on Remus. Huh? You know that that whole thing. No, from I'm Jeff a big I'm a Remus. big Ramus fan. I get I get I, to be me. I get to be hard on Ramus because I'm a fan. <laughs> I don't think he was out of line at all with what he wanted to do in Deathly Hollows because as long as Voldemort was in power, his wife and his child were in mortal danger. They were being targeted by Bellatrix because she was a stain on the black family. So his the best way he has of keeping his wife and child safe is to make sure Harry wins. And nobody Mm -hmm. sees that. Nobody sees Was that the reason well? Let me ask but that's you not the reason he was trying to do it, though. That's a he good was trying plan. to leave because, yeah. I mean, if if Ramus would have made that point, I think Harry would have been okay with it. But the point that Ramus was making that he was, you know, he was scared and that he was, you know, he didn't he think did that he would handle the responsibility and blah 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 blah. I, and I think he, that, that just makes Harry sick. I think and that's I think part one of the parts of Valley Health. And what he actually Wait. said, he said, "I wanted to help you," and. And Harry just freaks out and says, you shouldn't abandon your kid. And nobody ever really gets to talk 
talked about reasons why in that in that scene. So it that scene bothered well, me. Well, I mean that. Well, I mean if you but now you were just complaining about how Harry's not developmentally correct, and you know that's that seems like a development. You know that makes a, that sounds sound to me psychologically based on what's happened to him that he would react that way. Yeah, that when, he would not want anybody to bring him in. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we like fan fiction it's like yeah. Harry let him speak you know but yeah. but people who and that I'm and, and getting out of that it's it's why when people point that as Remus being being you know and being bad I'm like well not necessarily there are reasons in there it just never really got into them um when yes. I read that I think it was perfectly they logical been justified better yeah I, I would hope because I really latched on to Remus into Remus and, 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 and yet I didn't feel that his actions were justified, mm-hmm. which I think is a, I think that's a reasonable complaint. Well, he's because a flawed character doesn't... just like a lot of the others. Yeah, well, everyone well, yeah. is a flawed character. I mean, yeah. but that's, yeah. well, I mean, that's the same thing that we've been saying about some of Viridian stuff is that, you know, the writing is good, but the care, the things that the characters do drive us nuts. Because we can see, but that's a compliment know, to the author. That's a compliment, yeah. Yeah. Because we, when we sit there and we argue about a character's actions, we're so far in the story that it seems real. I yeah, think. like for example, even though we screwed up the plot point with Harry and Ginny in the robes, <laughs> if, if you'll notice, we never once said we don't like Viridian's Molly. Our exact response was Molly Weasley pisses us off. Like she's yeah, a real person who we're pissed off at. Like Molly Weasley's a bad mother. But yeah, it, and we understand that. Yes. Yeah. She's a a mother who's had her sense of appropriateness um, compromised by her child. And rightly so, I would think. Well, I mean, like, you wouldn't trust your 11-year-old with another, your 10-year-old with another 11-year-old alone in a a store in London. You know, that just doesn't make sense to me. I I, went to the mall all the time when I was 11, I'm just saying. Are you serious? I wasn't allowed to go to the mall by myself until I was 15. No. (laughs) Well, but she were girls, and he's a boy, and I think there are different standards. That's true. Yeah. Oh, well, definitely. no, I was with a bunch of girls. Oh, definitely different standards. Yeah. Well, yeah. there were, but, like, when, yeah, when I was 12, you, uh, there's nothing to do. See, so all your parents drop you off at the mall, and you walk around, you don't buy anything, and they pick you up three hours later, and and that's... Yeah, that's well, that didn't happen until, like, that I was in high school. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I drove like myself senior. there. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't go anywhere until I, I had a car. Yeah. No, for me, that was, I think, 12 to 15, I think. I couldn't even go to the movies by, without my parents. Really? Until I had a car. Maybe yeah, like they never thing. did the drop-off thing. No. I think they just desperately wanted us out of the house. <laughs> and in my case, you know, because I had a younger brother and a sister, I would take them to a, you know, a nearby uh, yeah. shopping center. We'd well, eat well, ice cream. Also, it's a small town. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so we wouldn't like get dropped off. We, we didn't get dropped off at the mall. We rode our bikes to wherever we wanted to go. <laughs> Norman Rockwell, yeah. each part out. But I, but I, uh, but I grew up outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, so uh, completely different. And then I moved to to Kansas City, so completely different. You know, yeah, Kansas situation. City is completely different. I think we can all acknowledge that right now. What? You've never been here. Shut up. Brian. I've seen pictures. <laughs> I have. I've seen I've pictures. Seen Place to live. Yeah. I used to live in Butler. In this thick. <laughs> I'm just reading this because I wrote it out. I can't think of it originally. In the fake, um, there are many light moments as well as numerous exceptionally angsty scenes. Um, how do you inspire yourself to write such angst? Do you use personal life experience or do you sit down 
with the character before writing and think about how the character would feel in a certain situation as well as how they would react? I role-play it. You role-play it? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I, I, I started playing D&D in 1978. This is, that, that's, and that's probably <laughs> helped my... Gary Gygax is responsible for most of my writing skills. So rest in peace. Um, and I just imagine myself in that situation because I probably played a character that's done that at some point. Um, and and imagine how I would feel in that situation, and then and then once I get myself into that emotional zone, um, it's pretty easy to describe how he would act and feel. Um, it's just, um, and sometimes it's not very comfortable, but um, but necessary. I get it. That's how I kind of get into the zone, and I think you know, um, you know, how would I feel if 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 I had you know, pushed her, pushed Jenny away to keep her safe and left her alone. And while I was leaving her alone someplace I thought was safe, it was destroyed by Voldemort and she died in the most horrible way imaginable. And it's all my damn fault. You know? Yeah. And, and that, and, and, and that's Harry for like the first three, four, five chapters. What was the genesis of the story itself? Like, you decided to write the story. Like, what thought came into your mind first, or what idea was it you wanted to play with, or what? I actually read a um, Naruto story um, that had sort of a similar MacGuffin. And part of it is, you know, the Harry Potter stories are all mysteries at heart. And... That's not my favorite subgenre, um, partly because it kills the rereading value. Um, but you know, what 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 if you could what if you could disarm all the mystery in this and take it in a different direction? You know, like how the first Aliens movie was a suspense thriller, and the second movie and the but the sequel was an action flick mm-hmm. and it was tremendously more popular. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I would think I was kind of running of that kind of vibe is take some of the – because there's so many missed opportunities in Harry Potter because person X didn't know fact Y. You know, that's the, that's, that's, that's the plot structure for like half the damn books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. They had a problem in the first book because Professor Dumbledore didn't know Voldemort was in the back of Coral's head. And the second book – all this crap happening because nobody knew Ginny had the diary that was messing with her, and that was air flitter. You know, the third one, nobody knew that Sirius Black was innocent and he'd been set up by Peter. In the fourth book, nobody knows that Crouch has been replaced with um, – sorry, that, that Moody's been replaced with Crouch. In the fifth one, nobody knows what the hell, what the, hell the prophecy is, and, and Harry doesn't know what that the, it's a prophecy about and that causes every bit of grief in the dam. Uh, and it, it's, yeah, after a while, you sort of like, Arr. so I wanted to, you know, put a carry in the situation where he knows all those key facts, and the resolution becomes a little more murky. And now, of course, I had to introduce my own mysteries to some extent, but there's a lot more. I, I, I can devote less focus to mystery solving and more to character development. And strategizing and, and, and Harry building up things in what I consider an intelligent manner. Planning ahead, taking reasonable precautions, things like that. Things that, you know, 
the fact that Harry didn't do any special train during sixth year just bugs the crap out of me and a lot of other people because now he knows the prophecy. You know, before that, it was Dumbledore's fault that Harry wasn't getting any training to help him deal. Of course, now we know after Deathly Hallows that he's just there as a sacrificial goat. But, um, (laughs) it bothers me. It, it bothered, it bothers me. So this, this, um, well, yeah, that's why I hate Dumbledore. (laughs) Well, I don't hate him. I think he's seriously flawed. And I, I, I don't think he matches his image. Um, yeah, but, I mean, but that's that's where a lot of that's where a lot of this came from, and I'll I'll make my answers a little more concise now. No problem. You can say whatever the hell you want, really. Oh, you, had, you had to listen to us for seven hours. You can read the phone book, and we'll put it on the air. It's my turn, right? Yep. Yeah, you have an outline, obviously. So there, there were different. I tend to fly by this in my pants. But um, what what other things do you? Um, do you do? Do you like? I have a routine when I sit down to write. I drink the same kind of tea. I sit in the same chair. I, you know, and all of this is to avoid getting writer's block because <laughs> I'm superstitious. So, do you have a routine? You know, when you, when you sit down to write. Usually after I get up, I'll. Well, I always I always sit at the same same computer, same chair. Um, the only chair in the house is comfortable. Um, and I usually reread the last section I wrote and then try to jump in from there. Yeah. And that makes sense. that's about it. Do you have, like, notebooks and notebooks of information, or do you keep it all in your mind? Oh, no. Just kind of Actually, keep going. It's, uh, he keeps it at the very bottom of his document. His outline is usually at the very bottom of the document. Yeah. That'd be awful if you, really? like, accidentally posted that. But no, just kidding. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. Everybody would be like... <laughs> It wouldn't make a lot of sense. I would be like, Draco is the guy from the future who went back in time to send the bells. <laughs> if I kill over dead, Lindsay, Lindsay will, will, will ransom it off. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, have, I used to have mine sitting at the bottom of my current manuscript, and I just, you know, write a section, then delete sec- delete that piece of the outline and just keep going. So. And then he adds more when he gets inspired. He kind yeah. of fills it in. Yeah. I'm not sure so, if you can answer this question. Now, in your story, we joke that fate is actually J.K. Rowling coming back to say, no, you can't change this. No, you can't change this. Fate, obviously, is 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 causing many things to happen again. Ginny still goes into the chamber. Neville still is injured playing Quidditch. For you, is that which, is it fair to say that's a writing device to keep the, like, the skeleton of the story linked to the canon? So Harry can't change too much, or or is it more of a integral piece of the overall plot that you're that you're writing in and of itself that some things just can't be changed? Well, here here's here's the thing about AU. Um, you know, I, I try to take a very structured approach to it. I'll change one key fact. Um, I may not it be it may be obvious what that one key fact is, but I'll change one thing, and then all the other changes will flow from that. Um, I kept things a little bit vague with NOFP. With 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 uh, teammate, it's very obvious where that there is a, there's a central fact. Everything has gone out of that. With um, NOFP, I had to keep it a little bit vague until Deathly Hollows came out. Um, but you know, it's Voldemort's decision to create seven Horcruxes instead of six. Um, 
then everything kind of flowed out of that. Um, it made him, that's why the hat was a sort of horcrux when it wasn't before. Um, that's why he's more, that's why he was more, his soul was more fractured than it was in canon. That's why his takeover of the ministry was more violent and not so political, mamby pamby. Um, you have one hour. Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, he can, you know, if you want to read a really good Voldemort, um, read Jay Burns to fight the coming darkness. You will read that and go, oh my God, that's a dark Lord. Um, you know, and, <laughs> He set the standard for um, scary, ruthless, effective, and smart. None of this evil overlord crap going on. Um, Yeah, because as he's writing in the canon, he kind of comes across sometimes as like the lieutenant governor of Wyoming. It's it's a little different than what we're (laughs) expecting. Why is everyone scared of this nut? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I I was honestly I was expecting something a little bit more terrifying. (laughs) He's wearing a moo-moo. Yeah. He is wearing a moo-moo. Well, I mean, I think you have to give him credit. He has moments where he's scary. He's scary at the very beginning of Deathly Hallows. And he's scary at the graveyard scene in Goblet of Fire. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, after that, he kind of... <laughs> yeah, the Goblet of Fire scene. Yeah. 15 minutes of scariness, and that's about it. Um, but, you know, I, I, I would, and when I was writing this, I was thinking, okay, Voldemort is a scary guy. This is the guy that blasted down the outer wards of, of, of Hogwarts with his wand um, and, and, led the, and led the destruction and did all this awful stuff. Alan Moore writing about the Joker and Batman in uh, The Dark Knight says, You cannot have a good hero if you do not have a good villain. I'm, I'm bash on Rowling, but I felt that for me it could have been done. It could have been amped up a lot more. I'm with you. I am hoping that this Voldemort does not disappoint people that want, um, you know. My, my my ambition is to is for this Voldemort to show up and Jay Burn go. Damn, there are some aspects that are going to kick up because I got something really cool planned. Uh, <laughs> that will. Uh, I'm still feeling smug about fourth year. Um, oh, I have some questions about that from Lego Bean. None of which you'll be able to answer, but all of which he intends to ask you. <laughs> Okay, but there are things that are still going to happen that have to because of logic, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering things- how you're going to get around the graveyard scene because you've already pulverized um, Tom <laughs> Riddle Seniors. But don't laugh at me. I'm I'm genuinely thinking about this. No, no, that is no, no, that is completely, completely accurate and logical thing to be concerned about. And I'm really smug about how I got around it. That's all. Okay. I'm not laughing at you. I'm chuckling. At, I'm chortling. I'm egotistically chortling at my own cleverness. Mrs. Viridian, do you have a comment on that? It's always fun to watch him be smug. <laughs> right before she gets out the darts. Exactly. Well, I have some questions that, that Lego actually asked, which I doubt you'll be able to answer. Um, well, actually, here's one. Has Severus Snape's role in the story changed since the release of Deathly Hallows? Nope. Much predicted it. The way that was all set up at the end of Half Blood Prince was 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 setting off all of my BS alarms. I'm like, no, this is not this is not how it looks. Yada yada yada. Um, but you know, I I knew Snape was 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 still spying for Dumbledore, but I still don't like him. He's 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 still a bastard. You know, his his actions for Dumbledore don't make up for his behavior in the classroom. He stayed loyal to the memory of a dead woman, and that was it. And treated her son like crap out of jealousy. 
you know, the, and there is an article in HP Lexicon talking about Gil Amensi and points out all the times in canon when, when Snape was pretty obviously reading Harry's memories. So he knew how Harry grew up in Privet Drive. And he still condemned him as a, uh, glory seeking attention hog and mm. a spoiled brat. Can he uh, tell he has opinions about Snape? <laughs> <laughs> Jen right now is in tears over there, but I'm with him, so I really can't say anything. I agree <laughs> in canon. I, I, you know, everybody has their own personal little thing, well, and I, I like to pretend that Snape is Mr. Darcy, well, and no, I like well, the Well, we story. disagree during year like none other about whether Snape uses Legilimency on his students. I totally believe he did. He did not. That Snape is a moral good-written uh, Snape. All right, all right, all right. We'll talk about this later. And, and, you know, the AU was he wasn't abused as a child. Okay, fine. That, that, if that's the basis of your AU, then cool. If, but you know, unless you're unless you're introducing something in, into the mix to make him not be a complete and utter bastard, then you know, I'm going to have cognitive dissonance on that. Will in the fourth year, do you intend to incorporate the Triwizard Tournament? Oh yeah, it's already well. The, the, you think about something that big. How long have they been planning it? True. Well, so, let, me, and, let me rephrase my question. Will you see Harry as a contender now that he knows that Barty Crouch Jr. is masquerading as Mad Eye Moody? I guess my question is: with Harry knowing so much about what's going to happen, will you continue to see Harry try and change things as he did, especially in the first year? Does Harry ever not try to change things? <laughs> Good answer. You know, Newton's law, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. We did the whole Star Trek thing with paradoxes upon paradoxes upon paradoxes. Is that what you were aiming for with the story in terms of... I'm asking this question very poorly. Hopefully you can kind of guess what I'm asking. Do you you remember the discussion Harry had, the internal discussion he had, about the different theories of what happens when you alter time? Yep. And the whole, I guess I'm not doing the ethereal backstroke conclusion. Yeah. Okay. That pretty much answers your question, I think. Okay. I actually did like that one. He's like, he's like, you can kind of see him with like one eye closed, like glancing around with the open eye, like oh, I'm still here. Apparently, I, have, I haven't gotten catapulted into limbo, so therefore the past appears to be mutable. Yeah, we were doing the grandfather paradox for about 45 minutes in one episode, so I think we were overthinking that. A little bit, <laughs> we had fun though. We can't complain. It, it's it's a good it's a good consideration and it's a good theory, but empirical data always overrides theory. The I'm not dead yet theory. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Butterfly theory. And the butterfly factor is, is, is yes, very strong here. What is the butterfly factor? Well, it's the idea that, you know, a butterfly yeah. flaps its wings differently in, in the Amazon, and it causes a typhoon halfway around the world. Um, one change can changes and bigger ripples and bigger things change until, you know, the final outcome is completely different than the original. Well, if that's the case, Harry's completely f***ed at this point. Because... <laughs> Are you sure? Well, I don't know. I know you wrote the thing, so you tell me. <laughs> but, no, but, but remember why Harry is so, is so brave about it's going back to destination. The future he came from was so awful and so grim because the muggles are starting to figure stuff out um, because of all the crap in Great Britain. Um, it was so bad and so awful that going back in time and having butterfly effect go crazy and everything be completely different is still better than what they had to deal with. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, as I said, all of the characters concluded their character arcs in the original timeline. Or as Jen puts it, they all died. But yeah. <laughs> they died too early. That's not completing their character arc. They snuffed it. I, I mean, you're, you're the first male author that we have interviewed. I, I think the fandom... I mean, we talked a lot about where the fandom would go once the seventh book was out. And how it would change. And how you know people would get involved. And I know that we have such a diverse group of people. I mean, young and old and, and male and female. And it's so, I have to tell you, it's so nice to have an author who's a guy be interested in this stuff. You know, because I don't know, I don't know if it's very popular for a lot of guys. I mean, is that, have y'all found that there are more male authors than female authors? I mean, more female than male authors? What's, what's funny is, when uh, the first time I got a review saying I was so surprised that you're male, uh, <laughs> it sort of caught me. I'm like, why? Um, you know, and, uh, if you look at FFA, yes, uh, there's quite a mix of male see. and female. Really, I know the ones that I. Use. I mean, normally I'm always in- male. Jay Burns male. Draco's male. Um, why you need to know is female. Jack and I is male. Chris is male. Bob Min is Bob and Alex male and female. Uh, Full Pensive is male. Kinsfire is male. Musings is male. Ishtar's, Ishtar's female. Copper Badge is male. Lord Dwar is male. Uh, you know, Lady Alchemy is male, and the other three guys in the No Smut section are male. So I, I hadn't really perceived that. Um, as I think the, that's awesome to hear. And I, yeah. think, I think it's very inspiring. I mean, the, re- the reason I got into writing fan fiction is I've been polishing work with, um, you know, on my original fiction. But, you know, I, I, I finish something, I send it off to Critters, I get four or five people to review it um, and give me feedback. Great. But when I write fan fiction, you know, I've had three million people read the NOFP stuff. I've gotten 7,800 reviews of feedback from people saying what they liked and what they didn't like. And the feedback time is so fast. I get immediate feedback. Working with my betas is great um, because I'm getting feedback there. I, I feel like I'm polishing my craft um, ten times faster writing fan fiction than I would be if I was um, still doing original stuff and using the limited venues available for that. Yeah, because it's just the instant feedback. Yeah. It's kind of like Toastmasters for uh, writers. <laughs> I really yeah. like that because a lot of writers I know do use fan fiction as, you know, as stepping stones and way to get their chops, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean it's, it's an effective tool because you all you have to worry about is dialogue and plot. Well, you know, at Braxton, uh, she writes uh, Refiner's yeah, I Box. Do. She's yes. got an original novel published with uh, Whimsy Hill called Star Sons. Um, it's out on Amazon now. Um, wow. And I'm, I'm about halfway through it. It's, if you if you like Harry Potter stuff, you you'll probably like that too. It's pretty it's it's a pretty good read. You know, you can see look at her really early stuff. How she, you know she's improved. Almost, yeah, look at Cassandra <laughs> Clare. <laughs> you know, she, she, she parlayed her. I, 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 you know what? I'm not going to take them with a ten foot pole. Oh. Jen, at the last minute, is like whether you're using abortion. She's parlayed her fan fiction popularity into um, a book career, and if and if she's writing good stuff and people like her stuff, great. She'll keep selling books. Plagiarism. <laughs> I, Sorry, I, I guess that's that's the that's the part I'm not touching with the with that oh, that good old 
Um, D&D player oh, favorite. that wake's so dead. It's dead. <laughs> oh, give oh, us time. We'll bring it back to life again. But, <laughs> you know, and, 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 you know, I'm, I'm going to, you know, maybe, and maybe, you know, maybe Jay Byrne and maybe, maybe me eventually will get something out, out with Whimsy Hill because they seem to be kind of, kind of friendly towards us. They mostly do art books and stuff, but, um, they're taking a chance on this. We'll see how it goes. Um, and, you know, because my, my ideal thing is, yeah, I'd like to write professionally for a living and, and you know, make money doing this and, and do this as a, as, as a living. And, uh, you know, nothing, nothing wrong with paying your rent. Um, no. ab- I, I stress Especially paying doing what you like to do. I mean, in that everyone's dream. And I will say, you know, fanfic writer putting out a chapter, you know, getting getting 300 reviews and reading through them, you get a pretty good feel for what people get and what people don't get and when you're being too obscure and when you're being too obvious. And those are the things that are really, at least in my opinion, are really kind of hard to tweak in your approach to telling the story. That obviously, there are things with that agent in place that I made way too damn subtle. Um, mm-hmm. No one's picked up that when when Draco attacked Harry, someone else hit Harry with the petri- with the petrification spell that caused him to get the skull fracture. Um, so there was a second there was a second gunman on the stairs, and nobody really picked up. When you say nobody, do you mean just us, or do you mean like of your three million readers? Most none of his million readers really picked up either. Up on that, but it was a different voice calling out that spell than Draco's, which meant. That you know, which which pretty much answers your question, doesn't it? Doesn't it, Ryan? I'm I'm still thinking Draco could have recruited since he came back from the future. Obviously, to send it inspires me to write came back in the future. He came back from the future. Oh, you didn't listen to the podcast. My prediction was that Draco came back from the future and sent Harry the Valentine. It doesn't. Okay, when I when I crush it down to one sentence, it sounds moronic. I had a whole plan. I had pie charts. Oh, don't talk, don't patronize me. Like that's a I'm very. Not. You should hear me explaining the fan fiction I read to my husband. <laughs> I like that. That's a very yeah, a second, interesting no, theory. That, pat, pat, just, pat, there, pat. there was too many, too many things I would have to explain. Yeah. But, <laughs> totally understand. Lindsay, you broke his heart. I'm still operating. <laughs> I'm sorry. On, I'm operating <laughs> under the assumption that you're lying to me because you don't want the whole. <laughs> I can't believe of all the things in the story you're in denial about. This. <laughs> the Draco's in area. I, I will prove it to you. Remember the agent in place talks about his dupe. Do, he's been dosing with potions. Uh-huh. Right after Draco shoots his mouth off in front of McGonagall, he talked about the potions he's been he's been using on his dupe. Ryan is very upset, but I'll get over it. <laughs> the reason I was laughing about the Draco coming back from the future is I had him. I had the. Uh, the image in my head of the Back to the Future movie. Draco hanging onto the side of a train on By a telephone pole and decapitates him. I captain that guy in Georgia. Had to go 85 miles an hour. 88 miles an hour. 88. How much fun did you have having Neville send Grant a howler? A lot. We always. Before the podcast, we type out our notes, and then we're like, "Of like, okay, here's what happened in chapter 34, here's what happened in chapter 35, so we can remember. I'm just like, chapter with that, Gran is a bitch. <laughs> yeah, we have to yeah, wanted to ask you about Gran. Her reactions make perfect sense when you think about, you know, this is the heir of her house, and she and, and, and Luna's family is not exactly 
Well, respect, but and, and I, I, Neville runs a close second to to Luna in my. I'm having a lot of fun with him. Sweepstakes. This is it was one of the earliest examples of Harry changing something and getting unexpected results out of it. He just being nice to Neville because Neville stood by him at the Department of Mysteries, and he had and he was sort of ashamed at how much Neville blossomed just because Harry was friendly to him. Because that implies that you were really a dick your first time around, weren't you? Expect more Neville fun. Well, it's good because I love Neville and I have friends who love Neville even more. So that's probably a very positive development. <laughs> Still wish Neville killed Bellatrix. <laughs> me too. Oh Those come on, not my daughter, you bitch! To then have you cheering. It had me. Cheering, it had me cheering. It had everybody I was cheering. cheering but like I was that. also sad at the same time. <laughs> Neville killed the Horcrux. Neville, Neville got to be the boy who lived for a second. He did, <laughs> he did kill it. <laughs> yeah, he, got, so, he got to be the like, acting boy who lived. He's like one seventh of the boy who lived, okay? Because he took out one of the horses. One seventh. Well, think about it. Harry didn't destroy a damn Horcrux in the entire book. Crab destroyed the Horcrux. Yeah, he got Harry's only five sevenths boy who lived. It's uh, if you got to split the XP for Voldemort, Neville should get one seventh, and so should Crab, which may give Crab the opportunity to buy up his intelligence. Well, no, if you really think about this, Harry, yeah. Harry destroyed a Horcrux. If you think about this, he jabbed a book with a tooth. Neville decapitated a snake with a big ass sword. So Freudian. The, no, so but, the, Freudian. but think of your cool. Think of the what, what is it, like a bris? But think of the cool meter here. Think of the cool. Yeah, meter. the cool factor definitely has Neville uh, a lot higher on. The While cool his head was on fire. I mean, come on. <laughs> Neville's like MacGyver over there, and Harry's like. Yeah, it's a- Sun, Scarface, long bottom. <laughs> oh, nice. I love them. I like the stapling the uh, the the diary that happened in in an, that I that I put in the NOFP. Oh, the Harry jumped in the in the in the snake's mouth and kicked the jaw shut. That was good because I was wondering how he was going to do that. I'm like, um, he doesn't have the. Oh, okay, there it is. <laughs> oh, um, remember when we first started sending emails back and forth? And I said to mention that uh, identity is not a static concept. I forget that moment, but you can tell us now. <laughs> One thing that's kind of interesting is people talk about whether Harry is really 11 years old or 30 years old or, or, or you know, the average of the two. Um, but the thing is, there's an assumption in the phrasing of that question that there is only one answer to that. Um and it, the assumption that identity is constant throughout your life and your development. And, you know, from personality psychology, we know that's not the case. People's personalities change over time. Um, we have physical manifestations of that with the MARI. Um, and have you, have, have you, have you guys sort of noticed how the way Harry refers to himself and his future memories Changing or altering? I know, yeah. It, originally, he is Harry from the future, and after a while, Harry from the future is a different entity. He's, it's like he's referring to a different person. And have you picked up on anything? I haven't listened to the last two episodes, you said, but they, they're still editing. But have you noticed um, any changes in the last couple of, the last few chapters? In the Bigger last, change. Um, I'm, God, it's been a couple of weeks since I read it. I just, I distinctly remember Harry questioning, you know, whether his future self is a different person. Although I don't, I, I don't remember anything beyond that. What did we miss? 
remember when he tried to remember whether Oliver had gone pro before he he stopped to become an R? Oh yeah, he couldn't remember, right? So it's like he's forgetting. Well, not forgetting, but he's. Well, is he forgetting or is he? I have you here. I might as well just ask you. That's the question, isn't it? Well, it's going to be now. I'm, dun, dun, dun. I, I'm not sleeping tonight. Thanks for stopping. <laughs> I'm read the damn story again. The mystery begins. So 7,400 and how many words? 7,249. Oh, you're almost there. You're almost there. Nice. Yeah. It's a brisk walk. I usually do about, I usually do about a 10th. I, I try to do 10,000 words a chapter, um, roughly. Well, I, I, get, I get to 10,000 and kind of cut it where it, where it makes sense. Although I'm not up to Bob. Bob, Bob and Alex do like 60,000-word chapters that make me feel completely inadequate. Oh, please don't do that. You know what? 75 – how about – No, we need more you know of that. Why, why don't you lower your standard? How about, how about an even 7,500? <laughs> I, 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 can't, I can't finish uh, Mr. Granger's rant in that period of time. Plus, you probably – knowing you, you'd stop in the middle of a prepositional phrase and she would have a heart attack. What? <laughs> I've never thrown a fit about prepositional phrases. Give her time. That's – it would just end up in being a cliffhanger, which would drive you guys nuts. This is true. Here. Everyone would blame me. All right. Well, we're going to get out of here because I know Jen's going to get going, and we've taken way too much of your time already. I just want to, number one, thank you for being thank in the hot seat for the past five weeks. It can't be easy listening to people like us who obviously miss key points talk about your story for oh, hours oh, without the ability to strangle sure. us. All in all, it's been a pleasure. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, so we're definitely going to be uh, reading – intently once it comes back because now I have to see what happens next and I have to revise my theory on Draco coming from the past from the future <laughs> into the past to deliver Harry Valentine. I feel like I have I got like ninety percent of it right but I was around the corners. I was a little fuzzy so I feel like I need to revise that a little bit. Yeah. So I mean, you you bring up good points about about Draco knowing more advanced magic, but something's got to explain all his arrogance and canon. Did you pick up a bit about the uh, tutoring rules? Yes. Yep. That's why all those triplets attack so cocky. Although, in my case, I assumed it was something that had to do with Draco coming Being from the rich. future to yeah. deliver Harry a valentine. <laughs> so. See, you need to write a, a Draco Back to the Future crossover click. <laughs> I can't now because the secret's spoiled. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> <I> know. <sighs> that would know. I'm at the movie. Do it under a pseudonym. <laughs> I could. <laughs> I'll tell yeah. Brian, Jen, Brian like... from Rother Greek Wrigley. <laughs> it's really not Greco. Oh, God. He's got to have the pink hoverboard. He's got to have the duds, the duds, duds, duds. I want to so badly. What are we talking about? <laughs> I don't want to think about Draco trying to sing, though. <laughs> I want you know, him to have so... a good voice. He's probably been trained in music and all that. Probably has, yeah. an, has an irritatingly high-pitched voice. No, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm... There's a lot of fan fictions where Draco is musically proficient in, <laughs> on, like, the piano and things. Yeah. It's, it, I think it's a lot of it. It's writers who are, you know, they tell you to write what you know. So it's a writer yeah. who, who has musical training, and they need to have him doing something, so they use something they know. Jen, I'm sorry. All I can picture is a year like none other when Draco sings at Christmas time. He sings like old, like old drummer boys. <laughs> I'm like, the hell is this? <laughs> well, I mean, I think part of that also stems from the 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 belief that pure bloods are kind of a remnant of aristocracy. So, yes, yeah. I like aristocracy. They expect the nobility to have certain you know, skills and 
such that mm-hmm. they would yeah. learn as just part of, you know, being that family. Yeah. It's considered cultured. Yeah. In that it's cultured. Yeah. So, I'm cultured. <laughs> Jin has a degree in music. That makes her cultured. <laughs> yep. Jen's very cultured. She drives a Toyota. <laughs> oh, by the way, I just want to point out. I'm sure a lot of cultures, and that just makes this conversation very strange. I just want to point out right now, I just found out my Toyota is being recalled because apparently the glass in the door could just shatter at any Dude, moment. new car! Yay! Well, no, new door pain. <laughs> yeah, they're going to give you a new car for that. Why are we talking about my car? Okay. <laughs> All right, we got to get out of here. So. Okay. Viridian, Mrs. Viridian, thank you so much for stopping by. We, Matt, Matthew, as, as Jen will be calling you for the rest of your life, thank you so much. Um, we've had a blast. I'm going to keep reading, and I'm going to try and read your other story once I understand the fandom a little bit more. If you read Wiki, the Wikipedia entry for Naruto, probably gives you all the background you need. I'm, I'm heading over there right now before someone I, changes it to me. I've got some HP people who actually started reading Teammate Cold and still mm-hmm. were able to enjoy the story, so... I, I I don't I tried not to make it too dependent on your knowledge of canon to make the story understandable. Okay, well we all saw what happened with me, Draco, and the Valentine, but I'm gonna do my best. Well I'm with Ryan. <laughs> Thank you. Very it was much. it was still a creative it was a creative idea. And I like I, I got a grin on my face when I heard it. So I like that's kinda cool. That's interesting. I convinced four people. <laughs> Did I, I steal that and use that in the story? No, because of this. Okay. I'm, still- <laughs> I'm gonna be like, he sat here and he lied to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, His was- wife patted me in the head and said that was cute. Well, now you have to do. <laughs> you have to- no, you I- just write up like a blooper chapter. <laughs> no, no, it's gonna happen. No, it's gonna happen. Oma K for Hermione, Ron, and, and Harry and Jenny. Well, the the Gryffindor is six because now you have six of them. The the the, mm-hmm. the, the, the the trio and then the other trio are sitting in the common room, and and they're all trying to figure out what's going on. And Ron's like, and and Hermione's like, Hermione's like, no, that's not it. And then all of a sudden, someone's gonna be like, oh my god, Draco came from the came from the future. I never saw what happened to him, and he came back. And then Harry will sit there triumphantly. He's figured the whole thing out. Ginny will just get up, walk over, and like smack him in the head with the magazine and end scene. I don't know. It's <laughs> one out. of those inside joke things. Oh god, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> you, you should other. post that on Potter Week on the in the in, on the forums. I'll be famous. <laughs> <laughs> I thought of it first. Maybe endless. <laughs> you know, it's like my father did one of those murder mysteries once, where you had where the thing happened and you had to guess who the murderer was. My father guessed, and they actually gave him a prize for. I guess this company had been doing this for like twenty five years <laughs> for having the stupidest <laughs> guess ever. They gave him like that. Whatever. Those murder mysteries are fun, though. I I stop going to them, though, because every time I go to one of those, they make me the murderer. Are you serious? Oh, really? Well, you're seven feet tall. It's the ones where you're, you know, you you play a character in one, and everyone has their own character that they're playing. And apparently he was uh, popular enough that, you know. They did, they they did that at Agatha's Mystery Feature Mystery Theater twice, and then they did, we did it once for a Toastmasters thing. And, I've, and I find out when they pass out the last of the cards, oh damn, I'm the murderer again. <laughs> he know. was voted the murderer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, that was the co-conspirator. So. Oh, well, of course you were, because you have to have a partner. They were, they were enjoying that way too much. <laughs> but, uh, but those are, if you ever get a chance to go to one of those, those are those are tremendous fun. Um, they have a, they have a, um, it's like a dinner theater where they have a restaurant 
and they serve they serve a meal and they and they do the acts they do the the servings they serve the courses between the acts so you're it's like three hours of food and entertainment and it's a lot of fun well well I just am afraid to go to them now because my family hasn't done too well at them so I'm afraid I'll carry on the family tradition and that will just be bad well sometimes you're a very astute person Ryan sometimes yeah. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> it's the eighty twenty rule I've learned. It's never, you know. Okay. Oh man. Well, Jen actually just had to uh, take off. I think she's been like trying to run out the door, but every time she's tried to, I've said something very enlightening. Okay, just kidding. It probably wasn't me, but she had to run. Um. So yeah, I just definitely want to say thanks for d- obviously doing this, and and thanks for listening to our bonehead theories and not like sending us hate mail every week. But um, definitely keep popping around the forum because it's a lot of fun. And through Keza, you've discovered what's what's the crap you found out they serve in. Australia? Vegemite. Vegemite? God. Mm-hmm. I love how she put up like a slideshow of the Vegemite. And then she's like the sun and air. <laughs> That's what she calls her kid, don't you know that? No, I just mean, want to talk about what that stuff looks like, you know? Uh. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't look. I've had it. It's gross. I'm not going to lie. I'd much rather have like. I'd rather, have, I'd rather if it was made out of wood chips, it'd probably taste better. But anyway. And as we all know, Lady Chi doesn't lie. That's true. I don't lie. She doesn't it's very... lie. <sighs> I've got Julia saying it now, too. Well, that's true. You spent a week with her, so you should. Um, <laughs> okay, so I'll just close out the podcast here. So, um, again, obviously, thank you so, so, so very much for, for doing this. And we've had a blast reading your fic. And we hope to come back to it once you publish a little bit more of it. And, again, feel free feel free to use the Draco Valentine angle in whatever way you, you, see, <laughs> you see fit to, to yeah. use that angle. Last- yeah, I can see the wheels say, turning in his head already. I smell a sequel. <laughs> On my last note, I would like to say thank you to everyone for reading. So. Well, you, I'll put you this way. You keep writing, we keep reading. Okay. And to, um, to yeah. anyone who um, wants to stop by uh, Matt's house with uh, food to help him along, um, you will be impaled with a with a large sword. So we would recommend possibly... <laughs> Unless you call, call first. first. Yes. Call first. Call first. Or you know what I would suggest? Maybe leave the food, ring the doorbell, and run for your life. That's true. There's a box on the front porch. Oh, no, it's a bomb! <laughs> that would be unfortunate. And that could slow down the uh, the writing of the yeah. story. And we live close enough to Kennesaw that, you know, somebody probably shoot you on general principles. So I'm yeah. from New England. We just hug people up here. I, I don't know what the hell you people are talking about. Yeah. It's, okay. It's, there's a law in the books that everyone, if if you don't have, unless you're a convicted felon, every head of household must own a working firearm. Is that actually, is that like the law that says like you can't buy toothpaste on Sundays? Is it like a little blue law? I don't think they enforce it that strictly, but they they pass. The story is that they passed that right after Cabrini Green in Chicago um, passed that law outlawing firearms within the city limits. And of course, the the funny thing is. You know, in the 30 years since then, Cabrini Green's become this complete hellhole, and Kennesaw is like one of the lowest crime areas in in Georgia. So it's kind of. And we don't live in Kennesaw, but we live nearby. Yeah, we walk our dog at four o'clock in the morning. Nobody cares. It's funny. I'm just picturing the giant sword. Maybe they've heard about you. (laughs) It never leaves the house most of the time. (laughs) You don't need to. Just stay in the house with the sword. You'll be fine. All right. Well, I actually got to go into bed myself. Um, thank you so much for taking all this time out of your night to, to do this oh. with us. It's uh, Hopefully you had fun. We definitely did. 
I definitely had fun. Jen's getting pulled fun. over speed. Yeah, Jen's getting pulled over speeding right now as per our weekly norm. <laughs> we actually had in last week's podcast, she um she's been moving, so she's been recording from her studio. So she'll leave on her cell phone and drive home. She actually got pulled over in the middle of the podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my. So we're like, Jen, leave the phone in the seat. So we're still talking about the fic while we're listening to the cop. Like, <laughs> Awesome. That was a hoot. Was that after we ended the podcast, or are we still it going? Was, it was. We, we put it back in. It'll be fun. It's in next week, nice. actually, when it comes up. <laughs> All right. So for that, um, I'll just end the podcast now. So with that, uh, next week, we, we're doing Coven next, right? Yeah, Coven of Echoes, H1Z. Thank Very God, excited. because I started reading it, so hopefully I wasn't reading it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, crap, I have to read 18 chapters by tomorrow. It's uh, uh, Coven of Echoes, and then Living with Danger, and then uh, Something by Me, and then... Uh, Something, member yeah. pick, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're doing, no, we're doing um, Paradigm of Uncertainty in there somewhere, too. Yeah. Buffy. So with that, uh, <laughs> next week we start The Coven of Echoes by H. Whimsy, uh, chapters one through seven. There's a link up on com. And with that, have a great night, everybody. Bye-bye. Good night. Hey everyone, it's June from the forums. Um, this voicemail is for the episode where Viridian is on, and Basically, the voicemail is basically for Viridian. I just wanted to tell you and your beta that, well, I really, really love Nightmares of Future's Past, and it's one of the first fics that I ever read coming into the fandom two years ago, and it really made my introduction into the fanfic world, like, a great experience. I love the time travel. I love the idea, and your fic is one of the ones that got me addicted to the t- to, um, fics that involve time travel which I'm really grateful for because it's introduced me to a ton of other great picks. Um, I love your writing, and I love, like, the plot twists and your your characterizations. I don't really have much criticism for it, (laughs) but, yeah. I just wanted to tell you, like, thank you so much for writing that great story and to your beta for beta-ing it so well. And though I really, really wish that it could be continued, it's okay for, like, now for it just be kind of not updated for a while. But I am making no sense. Anyway, um, I really love your fic, and thanks for writing it. And I like for it to be updated, but it's okay if it's not. And, yeah, I'd probably just go and review it. But anyway, bye. <laughs>